This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, along with Terry and Jeff. The gang's here. We made it. It's Tuesday. And uh, boy, oh boy, um, good to be alive. Really? Yeah. Good to be alive. I'm going to just start with that. Because, uh, by the way, got the greatest gift ever, my son's home. Hugging on him, kissing on him. Served two years for the LDS Church as a missionary, and uh, now he's home. And one of the things we had to do was take him to the movie The Greatest Showman. I think you've taken your mailman to this show, too. I've taken everybody, yeah. You, I, you talk a lot about it. It's, it may very well be the best movie in the history of the world. Whoa. Yeah. That is, Yeah. well, it's not really a bold statement coming from you. No. It, my, my other favorite movie used to be Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> so it's just, uh, just for some perspective. This, this seems like an improvement. I'm not a movie specialist, but uh, or expert, but definitely life changing. That movie is to me and my son. Oh, we listen to the soundtrack pretty much every day. Do you really? Oh yeah, yeah. I've worn out my Spotify on that channel. Do you just like, want to buy it? We're no longer able to shuffle the greatest showmen. I think they they popped in and said, "Sir, I think you've had enough. <laughs> Get a life." Anyway, uh, lots of fun, lots to cover, and um, it's just fun to, to have. Because what's funny is I don't know what he knows, I don't know what he doesn't know. I'm so I'm like, "Have I told you this? Did you know this happened?" He's like, "No, really, that happened." But then I realize he only lived in Missouri. Yeah, he didn't live, you know. But on no, some island in the middle of nowhere. No romantic relationships, no hugging no. girls at all. Uh, no, he's hugged some girls. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That yeah, was great. Does he need to speak to somebody about that? No. Okay. They were clean, good hugs. Hmm. Very neutral. So um, it's just fun. It's fun to see all that going on. But the benefit has been I've been out of the loop. <clears throat> and then I've picked up Jeff's uh, sore throat. I st- which I still have, by the way. Do you really? We're going on like a week and a half. Yeah. So no, there might hurts. be something bigger going on here. It's not good. And some of it is because I'm talking a lot because we had a lot of friends coming over to visit. and um, But <sighs> it's hard. It's hard to have a radio show and a sore throat. So we're going to let Terry do all of the talking today. Um, Terry, what what news should we be paying attention to? The benefit, though, by the way, of being out of the loop is I haven't been watching any of the news. So uh, Scott Peterson. Hold on. You've got one, too? He's the – a little bit. Scott Peterson, school resource officer who was armed on campus during the February 14th Parkland shooting. Yeah. Released a statement through his lawyer Monday claiming that he did nothing wrong during the attack and that he's being unfairly labeled as a coward. Hmm. The statement reads the allegation that Mr. Peterson was a coward and his performance under the circumstances failed to meet the standards, standards of police officers are patently untrue. Mr. Patterson or Peterson is uh, confident that his actions on that day were appropriate under the circumstances and that the video, together with the eyewitness testimony of those on the scene, will exonerate him of any subpar performance. The statement offers Peterson's timeline, including how he claims that he was responding to a call about fireworks. But he did, he did resign, right? Well, sure. Yeah. 
Broward County Sheriff, uh, well, he took early retirement is what it was. He's, okay. uh, he's been a resource officer for 30 years. Uh, Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel suspended Peterson based on uh, video and eyewitness accounts of his behavior, after which Peterson resigned. Peters, uh, President Trump called Peterson disgusting for mm. not rushing into the active shooter scene, in which 17 died and claimed on Monday that he would have entered the school without a weapon. Trump said he would have? Yeah, he told the governors. Without a weapon. The governors uh, were having, they have a convention in D.C. and they were in a meeting with Trump and he said that he would have, the President of the United States would have ran into that school without a weapon. Yeah. You can't do that. Watch how interesting this is, though. So we've pretty much gone from it being the guns to the NRA to now this guy. Trump action hero. And now Trump would have gone in and done, and yeah. But um, I guess... Why don't we just recognize that he didn't kill everybody? There's a murderer that killed 17 people. Mm-hmm. He so we need our police better trained. Yep. We need. Uh, did you hear the woman on CNN that actually was his neighbor that for years saw this boy yep. kill her toads, kill, stru- suffocate her dog, do all of these things, mm. called it in, and there weren't laws to do anything about it. Mm. I mean, so there's. There's a lot of There's problems. There's failures here. up and down the whole system. This poor guy's escape being scapegoated. This Peterson guy didn't go in. He said that he heard fireworks, on, and it was confirmed on the radio. Somebody said maybe somebody was shot out by the football field, right? So he was like, okay, so the guy's not in the building. He's out by the football field. So he maybe I'll yeah. he stayed in a in a position between two buildings to take up a defensive position that way. Now there was a story. Another we were talking about yesterday. It's kind of confusing. There's other police officers under investigation that they may have not have responded mm. like they should have. But yeah. the sheriff of uh, Broward County saying those guys that's not true. We're still investigating. Sounds I like chaos. Was yes, going it's, on it's chaos. Radios didn't work at the time properly, so it's just oh, there will be for this will go on for. I mean, a long, you, long you'd time. love to have a million heroes that run in there and start doing stuff, but. You also have to understand other stories. Right. Hmm. So in other news, uh, DACA is apparently here to stay for now. The Supreme Court refused to hear the Department of Justice challenge to a lower court ruling on Monday that blocked President Trump's initiative to end the deferred action for childhood arrivals program. The DOJ's request asked the court to jump ahead of the Ninth Circuit Appellate Court in reviewing the case in order to expedite the Obama-era policy. This decision requires the government to continue the program's protections while the legal fight continues, which means that Congress uh, doesn't have to deal with the deadline that was going to be in March. Which means we didn't have to talk about any of this for the months that we've been talking about this. Right. It's just going to continue indefinitely until the court decides what to do with it. Yeah. So... I mean, it might be great if the legislators jumped in and solved it. But as many places I read this morning talked about, Congress does things when there's a deadline. Yeah. Now there's no deadline. So oh, okay. just the can kick down the road concept. Yeah. So yeah. This won't get fixed. Excellent. <laughs> On Monday, the American Academy of Pediatrics updated its guidelines to recommend that children 12 years and older get screened annually for depression. The screening will take the form of teens filling out a self-reported questionnaire via paper or an online device, allowing them to answer questions privately, important uh, given that many young adolescents go to the doctor with their parents in tow and in the examination room. It is a huge step not only to destigmatize mental health, but also to help address mental illness in its earliest stages, potentially easing later symptoms. Um, okay. So, only depression? That's what they're starting with, I guess. I mean, it just seems like... 
there's just as many kids, it seems like, battling anxiety as depression, and they tend to that, go together. That may be part of it. That might be an important part of it. Right. They also might want to look at learning abilities, disabilities, ADHD. I don't know. I mean, I'm just... That's just a summary of know, the if, whole thing. If we're going to be talking to every 12-year-old about their mental health, we ought to cover the whole gambit. Defiant and determined West Virginian teachers are, were out in force again on Monday for the third school day. Thousands of teachers gather outside the Capitol to speak with one voice. Low pay coupled with rising health care costs are making their lives unbearable. West Virginia's teachers earn an average of 45000 a year, well below the national average of 58000 The uh, striking teachers were offered a 2% pay raise this year, uh, the first one in three years, followed by a 1% increase over the next two years. Hmm. So it's apparently not enough. Many teachers reporting, resorting to food stamps, welfare yeah. type, you know, just, just to get through the day and they have second jobs. And it's like, we're teaching your kids. We're supposed to inspire people to be better, but we can't because we can't get better. Yeah. It's kind of the idea. Uh, and so every public school in the state is closed for a fourth day. Oh, boy. There's 55 school districts. Nobody's in school. How long do you think they can go? Um, How long can the teach? And, and the other thing is, it's against the law in West Virginia for them to strike. They could be fined, suspended, or serve jail time. Yeah, you know, um, this is a problem. And the governor said he had a town hall type of thing, and he was sitting up on, in this chair on a stage, and he's like, "There's not much we can do for you. <laughs> what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do?" So yeah, there just there seems to be an impasse. Wow. And you start thinking about you know, parents need to go to work. But their kids are home, normally at school. Yeah. You know, so the stress is like all through the whole society in West Virginia. Oh. Fix it. What are we doing? Yeah, something's got to be done here. Get on it! Uh, and finally, there's flooding all across the Midwest. I know. So the rising flood water, well, this is one story out of Kentucky. The uh, floodwaters over the weekend may mean headaches for homeowners who live along the Salt River in Kentucky. But to Robert Watkins, they mean something else. Great fishing weather. No way. Hmm. Watkins is making waves on social media after his daughter posted pictures of the massive 50-pound catfish he recently caught in uh, his flooded front yard. No way. <laughs> so Watkins says, anytime the river gets up to where it's at, we go out. Me and my bu- me and a buddy of mine will go out in it, and we'll set up limb lines. We'll hang li- uh, fishing lines out of the tree. They're going right? to get a gator if they're not careful. Then we give it four or five hours, and we go out and run them, and we see what we got. Normally, the Salt River is good for them big catfish. We do it every time the river gets up. The fish they caught was really big, 50 to 65 pounds. He goes, that scale we had wasn't no good. He said, we had a 50-pound digital scale from Walmart, but it just it just maxed out. It wouldn't go no higher. Wow. So now the fish is tied to his porch as he decides what to do with the catch. It's alive. It's just uh, on a leash. Sounds like we're going to have a fish fry. See, this is really... The, he goes, they don't eat the big ones. Why are they nasty? I don't know. They're probably dirty. Maybe it's more of a trophy rather than a... Oh, yeah, you got to mount that. Maybe it's a warning sign for other catfish. He goes, in any event, he says the 50-pound catfish he caught this weekend is far from his record. In 2011, he goes, we caught 16 of them in three days. That was bigger than that. He said, we got them up to 85 pounds. Wow. This is really what's been missing from fishing for me. The, The whole not having to go anywhere part. Yeah. We don't we don't like to think of it as a flood. We like to think of it as fishing coming to your front yard. That's what we need in fishing. So the the article said the fish is tied off. It's alive. 
if they decide to do something with it, then they can make that choice. If not, they'll just release it, dun, let it go dun. back into the because you know there's five dun, feet dun. of water in his front yard. That is, um, well, he's very positive. Yes, and he's he's loving it. It's it's still flooding, right? Yes, and in all that flood water, there's a lot of weird stuff. There is. I'd be really careful. Yeah, he says though every time it floods, the really big fish come out to play. Oh, a lot of big things come out. Yeah, the the small ones. Eh. What do I all think, the other animals do? I know. They move to higher ground. <laughs> I think they've even seen Goldie. The, Goldie, the, the big goldfish. The the goldfish the size of a football. Yeah. That's a great show. He's still on the loose. Don't we have a didn't we have a movie about that? Wasn't there a trailer called Yeah, Goldie? we'll play that during the break. Because it's um I love I, I love good fishing and I love good fish stories. Yeah. Yeah, ever since I read Moby Dick. I think before, other than Dumb and Dumber and The Greatest Showman, you said Goldie was the greatest movie you'd ever seen. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And I wasn't that into fish until I saw Goldie. And you kind of stumbled on it by accident. You thought it was, uh, you thought it was a movie starring, um, not Bette Midler, but uh, Goldie Hawn? Barbara Streisand. Oh. You thought it was Goldie yeah. with Barbara Streisand. Oh, Babs. Yeah. Love that. Love, I, I thought it was going to be a total musical. Um, here's the deal. By the way, speaking of Goldie, did you hear that uh, a star from the movie Clueless is now running for Congress? I can guess who it is. Who? Um, you, I'm sure you know her name. It's the friend. Stacy Dash. Stacy Dash. Yep. How do you know that? Yep. Stacy Dash is running for Congress in California. She's the actress and outspoken Republican who has now filed paperwork to run for California's 44th district. She's not Clueless. But she also doesn't she have a just chance. She plays one on television. <laughs> she just picked a bad district to run in. She's, uh, yeah, she's, Hillary Clinton won that district 83 to 12%. Yeah. Percent. Whoa. So there's a really good and chance. And she's coming from being a, uh, what a, what do they call them, a contributor on Fox, Fox News. yeah, yeah. Which is going to really endear her to the, uh, the general public hmm. there. But, I mean, that's pretty gutsy, right? Well, I think she probably sure. figured it's one way Clueless Two isn't happening anytime soon. So what's Plan B? I I don't know that I saw Clueless. Really? No. I feel like I live it. It was kind of a big deal. Was it? I don't remember it. Mm, don't worry, you didn't miss much. Um, speaking of other news, our guest today is going to be talking about um, automated vehicles, autonomous vehicles. Yes, and. So and they've actually had to start thinking about what everyone's going to be doing while the car is driving. While the car is driving, right? But it seems obvious to me: sleep, right? Sleep and Netflix. So I want to know what you guys would do if you were able to no longer have to manage your commute because you would get there safe and sound in your own car. What would you do? Because Terry's got what a forty-minute commute. Yeah, I would and, say read or sleep. Yeah, for well, sure. You've only got what a fifteen-minute commute, Jeffrey. If that, yeah. So you're just going to read and sleep for an extra fifteen minutes. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I would. Right now, the driving and other things going on. You know, I got stuff playing on the radio. Maybe yeah. the windows down if it's warmer. The heat heaters on. Those things are just serving to distract me, so I don't fall asleep as I drive. Oh, that's comforting. Yeah. So well, certain days, most days, not a big deal. Some days, it's kind of rough. Everything that you have to do to keep the car on the road, yeah, you see really as a distraction. 
keeping me awake. Keeping you awake. Yeah. Like, oh, another car. Got to focus. You don't even see it as driving necessarily. No, it's just trying to stay awake. It's like slapping your face. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, that's probably the wrong way to look at the commute. Oh, no, it is. But it's really what it's doing. <laughs> Definitely is the wrong way to look at it. But- On certain days, not all the time. So it's not completely dangerous. It's just sometimes dangerous. Do you think that there will be a day in the future where someone will say, you know how to drive? <laughs> and you'll be like, yeah. Well, what was it? Back to the Future 2. He walks into a uh, the cafe and he starts playing that video game, picks up the gun and starts shooting characters on it. And the kids are like, oh, you have to play with your hands? That's a baby game. You mean Elijah Wood? Uh, no, but yeah. that's who it was. It was Elijah Wood. Um, so, yeah, at some point people are like, you drive? You've done that before? Remember, uh, what was it, Minority Report? He jumped in and, like, overrode the car. It was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to drive. And he's, like, crashing in other cars because that's not what you're supposed to. You know, it's a whole system. The car moves with every other car. Oh, this is If gonna... someone just overrides and, you yeah. know, goes nuts, you're going to hurt but somebody. it's going to change everything because now when you're sitting there mouthing off to your dad, mm. he's not going to say, okay, I'm pulling over. He'll just turn around and start whacking you. You'll hit the button. <laughs> your your chair will automatically yeah. turn. Oh, dad. <laughs> And he'll be all over you. But then there's there's some concept designs they have for these cars where there is no, say, front seat and back seat. You walk in and it's like a mini living room. Oh, I Just love a bunch that. of, you know, couches yeah. and recliners and just hang out. But Dad also won't be able to say, I'll turn this car right around. I don't know how easy that will be. No, Dad, it's set for Disney. <laughs> so we're going to Disneyland. Good luck. Hal will come on and say, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm afraid I can't let you do that. Oh, see, now that gave me the chills. What happens when you're stuck in the car? Now what happens when you need diapers? You'll just send your car to go get diapers. Or, as they showed at the last uh, technology expo they had in Vegas, it'll come to you. They'll have a van as a showroom for products, and it'll just show up at the curb, and you walk out and make Would you your like selections. diapers? Really? They're yeah. $45,000. There you go. Kind of like, like an ice cream truck for diapers and or, other... Products. Clothing or whatever you want to purchase, you just do it. For I mean, how many times have you just needed a little cream or a little mm. sugar, mm-hmm. and um, you had to go to the neighbors? Now you won't even have to talk to your neighbors. But we can still pay five dollars for the ice cream bar, right? Oh, oh sure. yeah, okay, you'll pay good. at least or more. five. You'll mm-hmm. probably pay twenty. Hmm. Yeah, it's a lot to look forward to in the future. Yeah, and most of this will not happen because. It's all I, – I, there's some polling I gave you, polling yeah. data. We're yeah. slowly as – a, as a people, we're becoming more comfortable with this concept. Yeah. But I think government won't be comfortable with this concept for quite a while. Well, I think they will. I think it's so – I mean – Do you know why? It's because it's all about money. Is that what it is? So if they can start saving money, if they can start hmm. – if they can manage their maintenance of roads and lights and emergency vehicles and all of these other benefits, then – I mean, are you saying politicians are driven by money? Yes. Wow, that's Wrong. really a bold statement. That's exactly. That's what I exactly. And that was, by the way, that quote was from our billionaire president. See, that had no political experience, but is a billionaire, and then that gets you in. That's the thing. It's all about the money, man. Anyway. We will uh, continue the journey. Up next, we're talking autonomous vehicles and how they could help millions of people catch up on sleep, TV, work. Straight ahead.
Are you behind on your favorite TV show or work or even sleep? Well, the answer to uh, some of your problems might be uh, a few more hours a day in your car, especially if the car could drive itself. Here to talk with us more about this topic of autonomous cars and how they actually might be able to help us do a lot of things in the future that we weren't even anticipating um, them doing. Uh, Here to speak with us about it is Eric Williams. He's a professor at the Galasano Institute of Sustainability at Rochester Institute of Technology. Eric, thank you so much for being with us today. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the program. What a fun uh, job you've got in a way, because part of what you're trying to do is is just think ahead and start, you know, creating um, models and plans and research about what would happen if autonomous cars actually come to be. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a fascinating topic and it's a lot of fun to work on. Do you um, talk about just some of the general statistics that? that a lot of us didn't realize. I didn't know how many people were commuting every day. And um, like 19 million people are driving two and a half hours a day on their commute, and 78 million are driving an hour a day. A lot of people are losing time in cars. Yeah, uh, that was that was a surprise when we did the study. And that, you know, certainly you hear the stories of, of you know some people driving a lot per day, uh, but the statistics from the, it's the federal government statistics are saying it's really people are driving a lot. And 20% of all the workers are driving. Their average driving time is two and a half hours a day. And some are driving even more. Mm. Talk about the research you are doing and, um, and, and what, you're trying to, what you're trying to figure out. Right. So, uh, I mean, the, the backdrop here is that you know, technology is changing our life. And if we think about uh, information technology, cell phones and Netflix and such forth, they really made a big uh, effect on our daily lives. And autonomous vehicles uh, look like they're going to be a thing. And if you think about it, that could have really massive effects on how we, you know, how we choose to live our, our uh, choose our daily activities. So, uh, so for example, I live in Rochester. It's about a six-hour drive from New York City. I'd, I'd love to go to the National Museum of Art. Uh, the Met, uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art, right. but um, it's a six-hour drive, and you have to go through New Jersey, which is a terrible drive. And so uh, we don't do it very often, about once a year. But if I could have it, if I had an autonomous vehicle, just go, you know, go, hop in the car in the evening, wake up in the morning in New York City, and be at the Met. So that would be that would be awesome. Uh, so we're really trying to get at these, you know, start thinking about these very, you know, challenging and interesting questions about what, what, what might autonomous vehicles, how, we, how might we use them to, uh, in our lives? And so uh, this is just the first step. And our first step, we're thinking, okay, who might be the, the, the people today, the early adopters who, who first buy autonomous vehicles, what might they want to do with them? And so I thought that one group of people might be the people that spend a lot of time in the car. Uh, because the more time you spend in the car, we're you know spending time in the car better oh. with you know with the IT because we can listen to yeah. books and program, for example. Uh, uh, but uh, we were really trying to figure out, okay, what are these people that are driving a lot doing? Uh, uh, not what are they losing out compared to people that aren't driving as much? And so now we compared the activity patterns. There's this thing called the time use survey that's mm-hmm. done by the the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and they actually ask for people's time diaries. And so they say, okay, what time do you get up? You know, 4 a.m. What did you do? I had breakfast 20 minutes. And, so on. and they, run, they run people through an entire day. 
And so uh, what we can do is we can analyze those, those, those surveys to figure out, okay, those people who are driving a lot, what are the activities that they are not doing in order to, to, to get that driving time? Interesting. And so in that, you're, you're finding out what they're doing and, and um, how they're spending that time. And I guess our assumption is that they would then naturally want to do more of those things, either catch up on work or sleep or TV. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thought. And it turns out that that hour and a half extra uh, per day of driving that they're doing is made up for, it's basically, it's, the answer is relatively simple. It's 30 minutes of less TV, 30 minutes less work, and 30 minutes less sleep. Oh, interesting. So overall, uh, if you have to commute, and that's probably something, just interesting data for everyone to know, if you are a commuter, you're probably losing at least 30 minutes of extra sleep. Yeah, I mean, I think it depends. I mean, this is the average number for the, you know, for that, for the population. That, you know, depending on who you are, you might have a different, situ- a different situation, right? Um, right. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, on, on average, yes. And then so, so I guess part of this would also then impact the, the design, how the federal government goes about looking at these autonomous vehicles, um, because – I mean, so, so you're really just guessing at what we're going to end up doing with it, but something needs to start influencing, I guess, how they go about designing these these cars and, and the way we manage autonomous vehicles. Yeah, uh, I mean, certainly for, you know, and the automobile firms that are, are looking to uh, develop this technology are aware that, you know, you know, of, you know in general terms, and I, I, they probably do their own surveys in some form, uh, but uh, but we have some some you know some I mean, basically we were able to leverage this database that they don't do for this purpose but uh, to to suggest hey you know these you know consumers at least your initial markets those people are going to be really interested in having a car you know have a design of a Thomas vehicle that'll be very comfortable to sleep in uh, that have a good video screen for watching TV and also like some kind of keyboard thing that flips out so that you can do some work. Mm. What what other things do you see the future of autonomous vehicles? Uh, being able to do for us? What other uses do you see that will be um, become a, a, an essential part of that? Um, well, I think that, that shopping, uh, I mean, I think, you know, if we're looking at our, if we're looking at shopping that you want to go to the store and look at the products and, and think of them, I think that we're still going to go to the, want to go to the store for that. But if you think of the grocery shopping where you're you know, you're getting the same things every week. Um, why not just send your autonomous vehicle to the grocery store and have them loaded up for you? Uh, that would save a bunch of time, uh, and also, you know, not you know, net wrestle through them. Yeah, totally. It's <laughs> got a grocery store. Um, you know, I, I also I think that this whole um, recreational travel, you know, both from cities to the countryside and from the countryside to the cities. Like I gave the example of going to the Met, but if all the people that are around New York City that, that you know, they probably would go a lot more, you know, they'd see opera or jazz clubs or whatever, if it were a lot easier to get in. And uh, autonomous vehicles make it a lot easier to get in. Hmm. Uh, and conversely, if the city people that will maybe want to go out to the Adirondacks to go camping, well, it's, it's now a much simpler thing to do so. So um, I could see a, potentially a huge amount of increase in recreational travel because it's easier to do. Well, yeah. How, how fun would that be to just be able to actually connect to your family, talk to them while you're at – and sleep and study and read and do all these other things you, that you love to do while you're on your trip? That'd be 
That'd be a relief. Yeah, pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Does I mean I guess too this could really be powerful stuff I think for the elderly, for our other industries, trucking industry. We already kind of see the power of Uber, but man, if Uber was autonomous and um, I mean, there's just it just seems like there's kind of no end to this future. How realistic is this, and what's the time frame do you see? Oh well, I think that's um, you know. That's that's a harder question, but I'll, I'll offer some thoughts on it. Um, so the the uh, the Tesla S, if you pay, I think it's it's actually several thousand dollars. It's as I understand, it's it's close to being a fully autonomous vehicle driving. Right. Uh, and uh, and Tesla is also talking about offering autonomous vehicle in the new Model Three, which is only supposed to be thirty five thousand dollars. And uh, and so uh, you know, thinking looking at tech. So in terms of te- technologically, it's looking fairly near term in terms of being available. Uh, there's the question of the price. You know, how, how more, how what's the premium price premium you're going to have to pay for this? And I think there's also a lot of safety questions. I think a lot of people, including myself, uh, are still not sure if autonomous vehicles are going to be safe drivers. Mm. And uh, you know, and until that really gets sorted, and that and that that process, sorting out that process, and seeing, you know, are there going to be accidents? Are there going to be lawsuits? Uh, uh, regulations about this is, is 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 that's hard to predict. But I think that that's I think that's, that that that's going to be a big factor. Absolutely. And then um, again, the legislation of all of this. I mean, and the people who are want going to want to somehow make money on it. The people. I mean, this is how we would have to change systems and structures. It just seems like a lot of stuff. So, I mean, are we thinking? I mean, the technology's here, but then the actual ability to have everybody do it. It also seems like at some point you're going to have to have everybody on board, um, or uh, yeah, right? Because the the safety will go up. It's like herd mentality or whatever. The safety goes up as everyone is doing it. It seems like you'd be a little less, a lot less safe with people who weren't on the same system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The whatever, however the system evolves, it'll have to start from a few autonomous vehicles and <laughs> and then you know and then you know have more and more and it'll have to, the, the, whatever the autonomous vehicles are going to have to deal with human drivers, which, which as you point out, uh, is is more challenging for safety than having I, I, I believe than having you know basically all autonomous vehicles. Yeah. But yeah, there's a big changes involved, and you know I think it's not all. It's also some I think some hard changes because you know if you think about the taxi taxi and truck drivers. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of jobs. That is a lot oh, of jobs. <laughs> what, what, what do those people do? It's, yeah. Uh, and we've talked a lot. Question. We've talked to a few of them about how, especially like truck drivers, the technology would be, you know, dropping maybe the trucks would maybe drive maybe on the interstate autonomously. And then they'd get to pick, they'd be stopped at pickup areas where then human drivers would drive them into the cities. And that might be a bridge to how that we do this in the future. But another one that you brought up in your article was about mass transit and those that ride public transit. Do you, do you think that, I mean, eventually Will will we just have bigger vehicles like autonomous buses that are constantly running, or do you sense that um, more people will just everybody will have their own cars, or will we all be just using kind of a a green car that everybody borrows and it doesn't matter what car you have? Yeah, uh, that's that's a million dollar question. I think in terms of where autonomous vehicles go, I think a, a multi person vehicle, a multi occupancy autonomous vehicle. Uh, has a lot of virtues, right? It's going to be cheaper. 
to write in because you'll be sharing the cost with the other writers. Right. Uh, it's also going to cause less congestion and less environmental impacts. So those are good things too. Uh, the thing is, is that because it's multi-person, there's also less uh, sort of the, uh, less convenience, uh, some some degree of convenience and autonomy in your own, you know, owning your own uh, vehicle uh, that gets lost there. Uh, which future is it going to be? Is it going to be a future of a fleet of shared autonomous vehicles running around? Uh, you know, which you hail with the Uber kind of app, or is it going to be, no, this is my autonomous vehicle, which I'm going to send it on all these errands. And, right. And, and, you know, uh, I think, I, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question. Uh, I think a lot of it will have to do with, one, the price of the technology, and two, the price of gasoline. Mm. Uh, if, so, uh, if, but, it, you know, if the vehicle's cheap and gasoline is cheap, uh, I suspect people will, you know, at least the people that have money will buy their own. Yeah. Everyone will want one. Well, we appreciate it, Eric. This is interesting insight, and uh, just keep up the good the good work. We're going to need somebody thinking about this ahead of time. Eric Williams is his name again, a professor at the Golisano Institute of Sustainability at Rochester Institute of Technology, and uh, he's doing the thinking that most of us just kind of dream about: autonomous cars, how they really could maybe be a big help for getting us some more sleep. And, uh, you know, maybe even more family time if we are able to, to, to lead technology the way we need to lead it. This is the Matt Townsend Show, doing what we can to help you live longer, love stronger, and lead a healthier life. Welcome back, friends. Um, you know, there's so many things going on in the news. A lot of times you don't get to hear in depth all of the Supreme Court news. No. But apparently there's a there's a big case going through the Supreme Court that could impact email. Email. So the Supreme Court today will once again find itself wrestling with the balance between digital privacy and law enforcement. Remember the iPhone problem they had after the San Bernardino yeah. shootings? They wandered into the iPhone. Apple's like, we don't have the ability to open that up. They said, no, we don't believe you. You know, they fought back and forth. Um, so today, they'll hear an hour of arguments in Microsoft versus the United States, which is a, a case involving emails that are stored in overseas servers. There's a chance uh, okay. that your email, even if you're using, say, Google or another product other than a Microsoft email yeah. account, your email is actually stored in, like, Ireland. What? Hmm? Because of the way, you know. It's, it's just, yeah, it's just how, it's the, just, it's fast. It's how you, the World Wide they Web They have storage works. facilities there yeah. because of whatever reasons. Or it could can... easily be backed up on another server in another country. Exactly. So it says, if America, an American email provider stores your emails on a server that is located in another country, does it have to hand those emails over in response to a warrant from U.S. law enforcement? Ooh. Hmm. Right? So the case hinges on a Stored Communications Act of 1986 in which Congress required law enforcement to get a warrant to search electronically stored communications. So yeah. you have to get a warrant. Got to have a warrant. The Justice Department argues that Congress clearly intended for companies like Microsoft to disclose electronic communications within its control regardless of whether the provider stores those communications in the U.S. or abroad. Oh, boy. If search warrants don't cover emails stored overseas, the Justice Department argues that provides an easy path to get away with crimes including terrorism and drug trafficking and other horrible things. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, it's in Ireland. You can't touch it. 
So they're saying because Microsoft owns the server, it's a U.S. company. So if we serve you a subpoena to get those records, you should have to give them to us. Microsoft is saying, no, they're in Ireland. Yeah, but they're saying it's within Microsoft's control, and that's what the law means. They're mm. interpreting it that way. So now, so they're going to interpret this uh, Stored Communications Act of 1986. Yeah. Does that mean what the Justice Department says it means, or does Microsoft have a point? Well, and so. let's look at that, though, by the way. How many laws from 1986 would actually really make sense in the internet world? Maybe that's they need probably to just the law. That's probably Microsoft's point. Like, yeah. we need to address this. In the meantime, uh, the, so Microsoft argues the government of making a policy argument, not a legal one, and those decisions are up to Congress, not the courts. They want a law. Like you're saying, they want a law. In the meantime, it argues a ruling in the government's favor here would open the door for retaliation. If the U.S. government obtains the power to search and seize foreign citizens' private communications physically stored in other countries, it will invite other governments to do the same thing. Microsoft president and chief uh, legal officer uh, Brad Smith wrote in a blog post, if we ignore other countries' laws, how can we demand that they respect our laws? Yeah. So this, again, goes back to the government is having a problem with addressing new technologies because the laws they're trying to use are old. Yeah. And they, you know, we're, we're in such a, a time of uh, cooperation right. that, uh, of course, they're just going to sit down and iron out what the smart, you know, feasible way to, to create a law that will, you know, uh, everyone's needs will be taken care of. Yeah. They'll just get no. into fights and no one will do anything. Isn't it crazy that uh, – where does this ever end? And these companies, because they happen to be American – would we want German companies accessing our records anywhere they are in the world? Because... Nine! <laughs> what was that? Nine. Just screams at you. Nine. Nine. Okay. You asked a question. Yeah. I said nine. I didn't know you were going to answer oh. it. It was kind of a rhetorical question. <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, it's interesting because we're, we're all comfortable with Microsoft because they're, com- they're our company. Right. They're an American company. But a lot of these companies are moving out of country because it's expensive to have a, co- a company here. and. Mm-hmm. Do we want you know France well, to have access, and even that to, because they're going global. Yeah, as they as they're doing business around around the world, they find out like, oh, we can actually build a facility here, say in Ireland, and it's cheaper. It's just cheaper, so we can build it here, and with the internet, you just connect it all, right, right. run your fiber through the ocean as they already have it, so you can connect everything, and it doesn't slow down email. Yeah. And so they just do it that way, and they store things all over the globe. And so, are you subject to? The law where you're located or the laws of the globe? I mean, how does that work? Yeah. And that's really the question they're trying to answer. And That's why we need a global czar. This is where it's where people also question, like, is the Supreme Court – I mean, they're the ones that ultimately will decide the legality yeah. of this case. Microsoft wants Congress to actually vote on it. But are any of these people technically qualified to discuss this topic and they all answer have this internet. question? They don't know how it works. They don't know the, – you know what I mean? Because you, sp- they have a, they have an hour, but yeah. Microsoft at some level has to explain how this process works. But they all have an IT. I mean, the Supreme Court, SCOTUS, yeah. has an IT guy, Jimmy. Should they bring Jimmy in to Jimmy, judges? the SCOTUS IT guy? Should he be the one that decides? Okay, so uh, Justice Ginsburg, um, this is <laughs> this is what it's about. It's about <laughs> he has to explain it. Mm. Yeah. But think of the complexity of their job. Don't you think half the time – that's why they probably don't they – don't, they don't address most of the issues that come to right. them. They're like, yeah, we're not doing that one. And some, don't you wonder sometimes if they're like, that one seems really hard to us. Nope. <laughs> that if, one's really tech. And, and if another court has decided on it, which they have, that's how it yeah. gets to them, 
they have that opportunity of allowing it to stand. Yeah, we'll just do what they said. Yeah. Was that a younger court? Let's just do what they're doing. <laughs> they pro- they're, does, does that are they millennials? A, they know what we're does doing. Does that guy have his own website? Yeah, we'll let that judge take it. <laughs> I bet he's got a podcast and a blog, too. <laughs> oh, how fun. See, everybody's a little uh, confused, and the world is a little complicated. That's why we're here, to help you sort through it. We will uh, continue the fun in just a minute. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back. You know, um, with the Olympics uh, winding down and all of that, now the Americans are trying to figure out what happened with uh, the dearth of medals. They just didn't quite get as many medals as they they should have. Also, we're seeing a very similar conversation going on right here at BYUB um, because here at BYU Broadcasting, they they had a step Olympics. Is that what we're calling it? Yes, where uh, a group uh, you were put on certain teams, and the teams were then supposed to uh, w- walk and gather, and everyone was supposed to work as hard as they could to get as many steps as they could. And Jeff's team happened to take the silver medal, and I was part of Team Mexico. Team Mexico, because it's. Uh, by the way, Mexico came got the silver. This was, is this a Winter Olympic event, or is this a, um, a Summer Olympic event? This was, well, what do you think? It's winter right now, kind of. So it was a winter walking event, step yeah. event. Um, so here's the deal. And we were talking about it off air, but in the end, your team was only 20,000 steps behind the gold <sighs> medal winning team. That's like a couple thousand steps extra in per a, week. Really, in a way, just as somebody that walks professionally. Are you talking about yourself? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, when I do my walking, I I get 10,000 steps a day. Okay, so, so that, which is roughly five miles. Unless I fall. If I fall, then I don't get as many steps. Which tends I, to happen mm-hmm. with your grankles. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying here is your team lost by two walks yeah and i hear just through the grapevine that you didn't contribute as much to the team effort as they probably were expecting you to here's the thing i sit behind a board here for three hours for the show Mm -hmm. you stand then i go home yeah and sit in a booth for the rest of the day so i don't once i get home i don't go anywhere yeah um, and I mean, I did everything short of marching in place here during the show, which I, I thought would be distracting and might look uh, rather ridiculous. Yeah, it, no, it did. And um, but all you had to do was pull your weight, just do your part and your team easily could have won the gold. Well, it also doesn't help that Michael Dunn, our boss, Smoked us all with a hundred thousand steps the first week. It's not fun. It that, was over once. It's not that fair happened. that you have a marathoner <laughs> on your team. So, um, but I have talked to quite a few people around the office, and they're mad. Really? Yeah, they're mad. So mm. it's I, I would watch your back. 
Well, we we obviously don't dope here at BYU, but maybe there was like some sugar intake no, on no. some of the other teams. I think all it was is they just needed you to pull more than a thousand steps a day. Maybe they had like a a fun dip fix at lunch, and that kind of fueled them. If you had just pulled maybe three thousand steps every day instead of the eight hundred, nine hundred that you do, this could have gone a lot better for uh, Team Mexico. But we're going to get the silver. That's yeah. still huge. Yeah, but you could have had the gold. And you know what that means? Because hmm. I don't know if they told you what the winning prize is. The winning prize, everybody gets a box of Twinkies. Really? Yeah. That it, seems like it would be totally against what no. BYU Wellness is no. all about. You walk 30 steps, we give you a Twinkie. That's all it takes? Yep. It's that simple. See, they didn't point that out when this started. It wasn't in the emails. Would you have been involved? It, it makes it more attractive. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, when before it was like, let's count our steps. You were thinking really? that it was a social event that you'd have to, like, well, yeah, talk to like, people. Yeah, have to talk to people. Like, they do yoga uh-huh. here in the afternoons. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I'm not going to go stretch with my yoga coworkers. Now. Are yeah. you? All right. Well, they, they said, I can't wear my yoga pants. Please. See, you're, you're probably right, though. There was there was so little difference between the gold and the silver as far as the number of steps, but the quality of the prizes is probably going to be huge in the difference. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they get Twinkies because they they're gold medalists. You get. Just I think a pat I have to work back. overtime. Mm-hmm. Lucky. Well, good stuff, folks. See, there's a lot of ways to uh, to be healthy, and steps. Counting your steps is one. We'll continue the journey. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome back to the program. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side, along with Jeff and Terry. The gang is all here for you. And today we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about how to bond with your kids. You guys, I know you want to learn this. I watched the movie Wonder over the weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. They Wonderful. had pool noodle lightsabers. Yeah. Dad and son. Oh. They just, fought right in the living like room. You. So yeah. how old is your son? Six. Six. Is that... I have a six-year-old, and I've been wondering if I can show her the movie Wonder. Did he have a lot of questions? Was there a lot of discussion going on when you were watching it? A little bit. Just the idea that he was like, well, that's mean. Why are they doing that yeah. to him? You know? and then, but, I mean, at first, I mean, it's about a, a boy that has some facial disfiguration. He's mm-hmm. had all these surgeries, and he's been homeschooled until, like, the fifth grade, and mm-hmm. then finally he goes to public school. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the story. And, he, and so my son's looking at it like, First off, he was, you know, what's what was wrong with his face? So we had to pause and talk about how people That's cool. have, you know, so you have that discussion of you'll see people that are different, but that doesn't mean you need to be mean to them. Right. Yeah, right. right. And then we also paused because there's a scene where the kid's walking in and kids are like stopping and staring at him as he yeah, walks right. by like he's some sort of monster or something. Yeah. And we go, is that nice? And he's like, no, like, don't do that. You know? And so there's all these moments where you can stop and, and show your kid, this is how you're not supposed to be as a person. Don't sure. be mean. Don't, you know. And kids are very curious too, because they'll see things like that or somebody with a missing limb and they'll say, Hey, what's wrong with that person's? And you know, they're not trying to be mean. They're no. just, that's, they're curious. They're, they're trying cur- to learn. Right. And they haven't got that social 
I guess, yeah. awareness to understand that that's probably not the way to ask that question. I'll probably right. show saying, it to her. Saying what's wrong with your face isn't necessarily the right, best approach, right. even though I ask him that sometimes. I've I've <laughs> seen it myself, and I think it'll be okay because you know she just doesn't handle tragedy well. So yeah. movies like Pete's Dragon, where the parents die, she gets very emotional about those types of things. Well, so. you know what you could do because uh, Terry does this too. Is um, the minute she gets emotional, just pull out a, po- a pool noodle, yeah, and, <laughs> and start late lightsabering her. Just like no crying. No crying no, for you. There, I mean, there. I know we we talk a lot about TV and movies on uh, on the show, but there is something to watching. And we talked about this with a guest yesterday and screen time. But I decided the other day when when my daughter was sick, I wasn't going to go home and you know try to get her to do other things. She was just sitting watching TV. I said, you know what? I'm not a huge fan of Barbie Life in the Dream House, but I'll sit Liar. down and I'll watch it with her. Yeah. And I did, and within a minute or two, she reaches over and wraps her arm around my arm, oh, and she doesn't do that. Cute. So, see, I think it—that's it, good. It was meaningful to her that I was willing to Take spend that time. time with her. Uh, then he yeah. followed up with a My Little Pony movie, made an entire afternoon out of it. Actually, my wife no took them you didn't to get see your that steps. one. <laughs> I missed that one. How fun is that, though? That, see, that's that's what being a father's all about. Not pressuring. So today we're going to talk about... When, when my son feels bad, we watch Spider-Man and the Avengers yeah. and Star Wars cartoons. It's great. But they can become rituals. Yeah. These are rituals. Nobody watches those shows unless it's dad and son. Like, he wants to watch them. And I go, you can't watch those without me. No, this is That's our That's how thing. we bond. Yeah. It's not that dad's really interested in these cartoons, but I am. This so, is how I get out of housework for two hours. Well, well that is... <laughs> It just, I mean, it's for a minute, it was sounding really healthy. Because I then all my of a wife, sudden, I go, it sounds less healthy. I wasn't able to get to that. We were watching, he was having a bad day. We watched Spider Man. Sorry. Know, so she's like, at first, she was like, oh, okay, I understand. Now it's like, seriously, you have to watch your <laughs> shows with him. Oh, cute. So, the thing is, our, so loving. our wives still find time to do all those things. Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. I, know. I, I don't understand it. Well, they're superior beings. I mean, if we're honest. Is it? Do we genuinely care about them enough that we want them to just take a rest? Or when we see them up and doing things that you we know guilt. we should be doing, is yeah. it the guilt? Yeah. It's guilt. It's total guilt. Like, why don't I care more? Honey, sit down. I'll do those dishes I, I try eventually. To, I Especially sh- when you're mad. Like, sit down. I shut, I'll do them. I yeah. shut the guilt out do you? by just thinking she could sit down if she wants to. <laughs> right? This is a choice she is making to do this. This isn't that I'm not doing enough. She's just doing too much. Oh, wow. You need to sit down. Take a load off for a second. Yeah, but okay. then she'll put that to the test when you say things like, uh, when, when she says, if I don't do it, it won't get done. And you say, oh, that's not true. And then she tests you on it, and it's definitely true. Hmm. Well, it's, you you know it's true. Yeah. You just can't admit it. <laughs> that's crazy. It works against you if you do. So, so um that's, you know, it's interesting. I miss one day hmm. because Jeff infected me with uh, some plague, a throat plague. Hey, I'm, but at least the leprosy's gone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not scaling. I don't have the scales anymore. Um, but uh, I miss one day, and then all of a sudden you guys have these profound conversations. Right. I didn't know that's what was going on when I'm not here. I don't know if they're quite profound. No, we, we talked a great deal about – Telemarketers, you know, the robocalls oh, yeah. that now do not give you the option to opt out. Yeah. 
I had another one yesterday. You have been named in a lawsuit. Call this 800 number now. <laughs> what? What? Hold it. What? <laughs> Click. What are you? What? You don't, you're not notified by robocall. <laughs> yeah. You've been named in a lawsuit. That's kind of too bad. Yeah, yeah. I the guy was very good at his trying to sound like it was an emergency situation. You if, must really listen to me. If you need, I don't know if you need it, but if you need a, if you need a lawyer, I mean, maybe I could. I could help you. I could. I've got friends. You've got people. Yeah. We've got. got uh, we've got Pepion, Pepion, and Leibowitz oh, yeah. on our side. Yeah, yeah. I may want to go a different direction. <laughs> He's totally anti-French. Okay. Well, um, while we're at it, let's get to uh, the news. What What else should we be paying attention to? Georgia's Lieutenant Governor Monday publicly threatened Delta, private company headquartered in Atlanta, for its decision to end discounts for the National Rifle Association members. He goes, I will kill any tax legislation that benefits Delta unless the company changes its position and fully reinstates its relationship with the NRA. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. A lot of boycotting going on yeah, of the NRA after the shooting. A lot of companies are deciding to not, not be part of their rewards program right, or right. other things. And uh, because Delta's in Georgia, the government there gives them tax breaks on fuel. Tens of millions of dollars, and they're saying we're going to pull those tax breaks if you don't reinstate your relationship with the NRA. Wow. Uh, the lieutenant governor in Georgia said corporations cannot attack conservatives and expect us not to fight back. Yeah, right. Delta and United Airlines both severed marketing ties with the NRA over the weekend, joining a host of other companies like Enterprise, Semantic, which is a uh, internet uh, like spam. Yeah. Provi- they, they provide some security for computers. And First Bank of Omaha, they all dis- ended the discounts partnerships they had with the powerful gun lobby over their stance after the shooting in Florida. Interesting. So now it's, yeah, it's everybody's getting mad at everybody. Yeah. Ah, the way it should be. Problems are being solved. Governor Jay Inslee of Washington changed or challenged President Trump on his controversial proposal to arm teachers with concealed carried weapons during a White House meeting with Governors Monday. Inslee said that both law enforcement and educators were concerned about teachers packing heat in classrooms. So I suggest, just suggest we need a little less tweeting here and a little more listening. Let's just take that off the table and move forward. Okay. If you watch the video... Trump responds by crossing his arms and then pointing over to the governor of Texas to explain how his teachers in his state carry guns in the classroom. Oh, uh, in New York. Texas. Oh, Texas, I mean, yeah. And then he talks to the guy from Arkansas, because apparently they have teachers there that conceal carry in the classroom also. Right. Here we go. Yeah. President Trump has this thing where he crosses his arms. Yeah. He was sitting in that listening session with students and teachers from Florida and Columbine and uh, Sandy Hook. And while they were talking about uh, gun control and different things that way, he folds his arms kind of in a... Like, yeah. Like, what does that mean, body language? Like you fold your arms. He's not necessarily liking what you're saying. He's protecting himself from it. The body language experts we've had on the show have said that means no. Yeah. When my mom always did that as a kid, I knew I'd lost the argument already. And then you'd get hit with a pool noodle. That's right. <laughs> so it's just interesting when he does that. Now you're like, oh, wait. What's he doing there? What's what's going on now? So the he, he's still uh, talking about 
raising the age limit, and he's talking about uh, bump stocks and maybe some high-capacity high magazines, those sort of yeah. legislation is still out there. They're still talking it about it. all makes sense. An employee of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta has disappeared without a trace and yeah. hasn't been seen in two weeks. On Monday, police were back in Timothy Cunningham's northwest Atlanta and neighborhood looking for anything that helps answer, the, the answer why the 35-year-old has disappeared. He's a Harvard-educated epidemiologist at the CDC. He left work February 12th and never returned. After that is not, scary. So after not hearing from her son in two days, his parents drove from Maryland to Atlanta, where they found his wallet, his car, and his pet dog still in his house. What? In a statement, the CDC said that the Dr. Cunningham's colleagues and friends are a hope that he's safe. We want him to return to his loved ones and to his work. He left work because he's sick. He felt sick, so he left the CDC. Oh, my heavens. Which probably has nothing to do with it. But still, that's probably one place where you don't want to go, I don't feel so good. No, this and this mm. is like, it seems like this is, there's always these Bond movies where they have to get the guy that's the expert in, like, anthrax that right. works with the CDC. Right. So he also could have just... Oh, you hope he's okay. Had a, a bout of something and he's lost. You, you know, know what? So anything could have Check happened. Check the bathroom. Could be. That's where I'd go. So he's he's missing, and it's just kind of an oh, odd story. Scary. They're looking for him. Scientists have thought for years that uh, progress had been made towards curbing severe childhood obesity in the United States, but new finding appears to tip that scale in the other direction. A new study published Monday in the Journal of Pediatrics found that since 2013, severe obesity in the United States in children between the ages of 2 and 5 has increased significantly. Uh-oh. Obesity is measured by an individual's body mass index. Uh, the ratio of height to weight. The researchers analyzed data from the Centers for Disease Control across age groups and combined that with analysts with in-home examinations to determine that the number of obese children is increasing. Overall, the study found a continuous climb in obesity from 1999 to 2016, which contradicts previous uh, previous optimistic reports. Girls ages 16 to 19 were also identified as a highly impacted group alongside the younger children. It's scary. Yeah. Because now what? Now it's factual. Yeah. And except for it's all based on the BMI, which is just a bunch of mediocre information. That's what BMI stands for. As we've talked about multiple times on the show. Yeah. And I've railed against because it thinks I'm morbid. I don't like it. It thinks I'm morbidly obese. It couldn't be. Yeah, it couldn't be more wrong. Give me a break. I'm sort of obese. Not morbidly. Not morbidly. What a horrible word. I have some wiggle room there. (laughs) Finally, the federal government is likely now able to unlock any model of iPhone. A report in Forbes says the contractor known as a go-to for when the U.S. officials want to to unlock a suspect's device, unlock, they have discovered a way around Apple's security features. The contractor is an Israeli firm, which reportedly suggests uh, successfully circumventing security on an iPhone X Late last year, as a Mich- during a Michigan arms trafficking investigation, huh? So Forbes reports the company developed undisclosed techniques that allow it to access the current operating system on Apple devices. However, the firm has not made any public statements about the reported development, so it's not clear what the DAP may be. Apple is not commenting, also because why would they? If true, the news marks a major victory for police forces worldwide who struggle to keep up with the increased security that comes with each new iPhone. See, we knew they'd figure it out. Sure. Come on. They wanted iPhone, iPhone. they wanted Apple to do it for them. Yeah. They said Lazy. no. Lazy. And so they figured it out, and there's some work around now. So they, 
Rest assured, they can break into any phone they want now. But by the way, that shouldn't make us feel very good. Oh. Right? I mean... Does it make you feel safer? Well, if I felt safer knowing that, man, even the federal government couldn't get into my iPhone. So it's not just me that's messed up. Right. Everyone's clueless So you there. support terrorism is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. I guess. <laughs> that's, a, a, that's how that argument went. Yeah. I mean, it was a big jump, but yeah. You want personal security on your device so people can't get in and look at your whatever mm-hmm. you have on your phone. But if you're against the government doing it, then you support terrorism. Yeah, that's that, that's that makes so much sense. <laughs> and it's uh, part of it is I like to know that not only am I illiterate when it comes to my iPhone, even the federal government doesn't have a clue. But right. now they apparently do. So it really is me. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Blasted. There you go. Well, good. Uh, good news, I guess. Well, in a bad way. On some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's get to the other empty news. Uh, the other news we call empty, MT, standing for Matt Townsend News. The MT News Team. First on the scene, fifth on facts. You've got a lot of assaults going on. I know. What's going on with that? Um, Full moon, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you've got uh, brick assault, and you've got assault due to cereal. Hold on. What? Yeah. A cereal assault. Let me give you two different stories here. Okay. So this one is pretty funny because it involves a bumbling burglar. And uh, there's a burglar that knocked out his accomplice by throwing a flying brick at his head. Oh, boy. Okay. So first you think, oh, maybe they parted ways or they, they uh, one was being greedy. No. Police released CCTV footage of their failed attempt to break a window. <laughs> the clip shows two hooded men approaching a building in Shanghai, China, or Shanghai, armed with bricks. They immediately whip out the bricks and throw them at a window. The first brick makes a dent, but as the second burglar throws his brick, the foolish accomplice uh-huh. leaps forward directly into I the line that. of fire. Uh-huh. The man takes a direct hit to the face, Knocked sending him falling unconscious to the ground. Yeah, so yeah. watch where you're going. No, I always have a rule when I'm robbing something and we're throwing bricks. Yeah. A, wear a helmet. Mm-hmm. B, I always stand behind the brick thrower. Right. So that they would block me from a ricochet brick. Right. Exactly. That is good advice. Yeah. I Let mean, me know the next time you're going out so yeah. I can learn from you. We could go together. Okay. <laughs> and uh, also an Alabama man has been arrested after allegedly assaulting his roommate for failing to properly seal a box of Cap'n Crunch cereal. Oh, boy. So the cereal was stale. 52-year-old Dwayne Barry Smith was charged for domestic violence charges after he allegedly assaulted a man he shares a residence with in Moundville, a small town outside of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Police say Smith got upset with his roommate after he discovered the Cap'n Crunch cereal had gone stale. Blaming the man for failing to properly seal the cereal box, Smith was especially angry since he is missing teeth, making oh, it difficult wow. to eat. You if you're missing teeth, you don't eat Cap'n Crunch. I mean, you probably shouldn't eat Cap'n Crunch with teeth just because of what it can do to your gums. But, you know, some things are worth the pain. Yeah. And I've decided the Cap'n Crunch is worth the pain. This is, by the way... Um, yeah, uh, never mind. I, it would distract <laughs> us. So at one point, Smith demanded the roommate remove his dentures to see what it was like. 
to try and consume the stale cereal. When he refused, Smith began hitting him with a laptop charger cord. Oh, boy. So that's, I mean, I wonder what that sounds like. Probably something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Right to the, that's probably how he lost all his teeth in the first place. Right. Police say the victim suffered several injuries uh. to the face, hand, and arm. But you, hey, there is a rule. You have to seal the bag. Oh, yeah. Seal the bag. But you know what? I would still eat the Cap'n Crunch if it was stale. Yeah. It's that good. It's that good, and it's that good for you. (laughs) Wrong. Uh, Yeah. So try to be civil. Can't we all just get along? Yeah. What happened about the old days? You know, back in... You remember when you grew up in Moundville? Oh, yeah. By the way, can you guess the topography? Of Moundville. <laughs> I'm going to bet there's a ville, a, like a valley, a valley maybe. Sure. And I'm going to bet there's a mound in the middle of it. Yeah. And, you know, when you're whipping your roommate, you could at least do the courtesy of, of asking them, is this is this too hard? Yeah. Can I whip you softer? <laughs> How about I only give you 10 whips? You know, um, as a person that just bought a new charger for my MacBook, mm-hmm. um careful with my charger yeah it's not here for you to whip me with no those things cost a lot of money do do what we what the others do and just get a rope and no no face shots i think that's that's kind of the the number one rule in whipping see this is the insight you don't get on any other show when i was being whooped as a kid yeah it was a it was a wooden spoon or a spatula didn't you? Didn't you use the whip it, whip it good? I think I recall. I recall watching your video, your childhood video of you yelling "whip it." See, I, unfortunately, the, the takeaway from this story for me is I want to go home and have some Captain Crunch. Yeah, see, that's the problem. You missed the whole point. Missed the whole point. Uh, but the people in Moundville, keep it up. Uh, Really? It's, it's keep, not all bad. Keep up the whipping? <laughs> no, not the whipping. <laughs> but keep up just, you know, the good positive living. Um, we've got so much ahead. We're going to be talking about uh, an overlooked factor that may help you bond with your kids. Pretty interesting insight. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you bond with the family. To master a certain skill, it is uh, estimated that it takes more than 10,000 hours of practice and training. That means we should be all be masters in the family by now, right? Wrong! As we grow and develop, we find constant roadblocks. Forging bonds on love and communication can be difficult, especially if you have young children. So here to help us understand better how to bond with our kids, Dr. Aaron Leba, who is a licensed social worker, joins us today to share some of her forgotten factors, some of the forgotten factors that can help you bond with your family and your children. Aaron, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. This is, um, I mean, it's funny. We we do. We think bonding is such a natural thing. It's just it's just so easy. It's just what we do. But there are some pretty interesting things that that we can learn, even from science, um, that uh, that might help us understand a little bit better how to connect to our kids. Talk about this this uh, hidden factor, this overlooked factor 
that you mentioned in your article that helps us bond with our kids? Yeah, I think one hidden factor is um, the idea of rituals or routines that have, you know, a sweetness or a warmth to them. So um, one example might be a, gra- a grandmother taking their her grandkids to the park every Friday afternoon or, um, you know, celebrating a birthday by always taking your child to a baseball game and stopping yeah. for ice cream afterwards or things like that. Um, things that, like, kids can count on, that they... Um, that are rituals that are kind of repetitive, but that have sort of that element of sweetness, fun, laughter, or real warmth to them. And and by doing them consistently, what does it what does it give the child that makes bonding actually take place? Yeah, I think you know, rich. There's a lot of research behind um, the value of routines that it helps children adjust, it builds their social skills, their academic skills, their language, and also it really helps them bond with their parents. Um, It invites a sense of cooperation. So instead of getting in power struggles over things, kind of when you have set rituals in your house, like um, when your homework's done, then you can turn on an electronic, or when you get dressed, then you can have breakfast. Um, then it really reduces parents having to kind of nag kids or remind them a bunch of times or, you know, and that's, that's not enjoyable. But when, when those are already in place, um, then parents are really free to just enjoy their kids and, you know, have a great conversation at breakfast because their kids are already dressed. They don't have that stress of getting them dressed hanging over their head. Mm. Um, it really eliminates this power struggle because we don't have to make up we don't have to make up the, the pattern or the way we're going to do something every single time we need to do it. We can set down a ritual that is just this is how we do it. Right. Mm-hmm. And does um, I guess part of the, the 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 difficulty with a ritual is, I mean, we we already do a lot of things habitually, but we may not actually see them as a ritual. And then some things we actually need to formalize the ritual. So what are the what are like the critical steps to making a ritual? What has to be part of the process? Yeah, I think it's just um, deciding sort of on some core um, family mo- family bonding moments in your family and what you want to make a ritual. Like a lot of people have the ritual of sitting down together as a family to eat dinner or um, having a family movie night on Friday night where the whole family kind of sits down, has popcorn, <laughs> has pizza for dinner, and just chills together, you know, kind of coasts into their weekend in total relaxation, and it's just a way to bring them together. Um, another ritual, you know, might be around a holiday, like always having the family do a turkey trot on Thanksgiving morning, and just realizing that those are real stability anchors for families, that they really provide a sense of community and, you know, get, allow people to kind of know what to expect and have that feeling of safety around that ritual um, knowing that they're they're always going to have dinner with their family or they're always going to make root beer floats on on New Year's Eve. You know, just um, really knowing what to expect, but also building that excitement and that appreciation of certain things that their only their family does hmm. together. I love that, and it, I mean, it could just be something as simple as a phrase you use. But I guess it just kind of reinstates, re, it reconnects everybody to the fact that. We're very safe. We're very predictable. This is – we're always going to be safe and predictable. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, research shows that family stress is often first noted in the disruption of our routines that, you know, if when we get stressed or too busy or kind of overwhelmed, then our routines go out the window and that really exacerbates the situation. But if we can keep those routines through the really busy or stressful or difficult moments, then it actually anchors us as parents um, to, you know, feel calmer and know we can count on that. And it anchors our kids. It really reduces their anxiety. Um, there's a lot of great, great studies that show that. Is, um, I mean, I could hear almost some parents saying, oh, you know, we're, we like to just kind of wing it. We like to free flow. We don't want to be tied down to doing everything one way. Um, is there what what suggestions do you have for those people that that just see routine as too impeding on their freedom, their fun, their their life? Well, I think that's a great question because things always come up in family life. Your kid gets sick, or you want to change something, or maybe you're not at home one night, or. And I think, you know, the idea of rich, rich routines and rituals is not that you're going to be so crazy about them that, you know, you have to do them no matter what. It's just kind of the idea of providing that, that rituals are so, so great for kids that and, and for us that it really calms down the whole family environment. And even if you don't do it every single time, just having that intention to, to realize that that is so helpful for kids, it's kind of like you know, the kindergarten teacher who does the exact same thing every day. And to us, it might seem, oh, uh, that's kind of boring. Like, why, why do you do that? But for kids who walk in the door and maybe they're unsettled about going to school that day or they've had a tough morning, it's just very calming. And, you know, it really helps them transition into the day. I think it's the same, you know, with with family life. Yeah, it's, um, it, it is interesting, like the research you cited, about uh, how it relieves stress and alleviates stress is having something be a little bit more predictable um, might it, it's interesting it might create a safer uh, psyche but one of the points you make a big deal about is that it also facilitates bonding it there's something about how it would actually connect our children to us more right and I and I love the idea of um, you know the difference between just a routine, which it, which is also great, and a ritual, which is like adding the fun or the sweetness or the warmth. Like, you know, um, when one family does a silly clothes bike ride where they, they all dress up in ridiculous clothes and go for a bike ride um, once a month. And it's like, that's the stuff you don't get maybe in everyday life unless... <laughs> You know, and and that became their their treasured bike ride. They had tons of laughs about it. They yeah. would ride out to each other, and they really would look forward to it. Um, you know, these are like young kids that just loved it, <laughs> and it you don't get that in just let's go for a bike ride today. You know, right? It's a total. It's a different thing. I look at the rituals as um, one of the things that if someone were to pass away or leave because they're out of state for school or whatever, it's like the rituals that we would miss the most, those sweet mm-hmm. connected moments that we would actually mourn because they're gone, um, you know, where there's some parts of our routines that we may not care so much about. But, you know, maybe the good talks you might have with your kids if you make it a ritual to talk with them on the way to school while they're in the car – 
it's it's the little things that, and you keep using the word sweetness but it, it's just it's where it almost seems like it's where love appears yeah i think i think that's so true you know what we had a routine or a ritual growing up where every time we got sick we got to read uncle a whole stack of uncle scrooge comic books and we and we didn't get to read those any other time. Huh. And our parent would sit down, you know, and read with us. And we would, you know, as we got older, even in high school, that's what we did on our on our sick days. And that, that's such a treasured memory. And it, it's like you said, it's kind of like that's a great feeling of love instead of associating being sick with just being miserable. It was kind of like that was a special moment that we got to have. Yeah, you know. It's um, you, in fact, uh, in your article, too, you cited a father that who would get his two girls corsages every um, Easter, and the, he did it from when they were two to when they were 30 years old. How, um, I mean, the memories that get tied to these things. So if, if you were taught, if you, if you think about how to, um, to, to make something a ritual, it seems like where we might break down is making it a habit. And uh, I know you mm-hmm. you uh, quote Charles Duhigg in your in your um, in your article. What do you suggest we do to actually make the ritual a habit to to keep it going? Yeah, I think I think um, you know he has a, Charles Duhigg has a great book called The Power of Habit, and he really talks about kind of coming up with an idea or kind of noticing. What do you really enjoy doing with your kids? Like, what has been a really fun moment, and how could you kind of institutionalize that? You know, like, and it might be something really small, you know, something in everyday life that was just like a lot of fun together. And how could you keep that keep that going? And then I think that the big key is to notice, you know, the effects on people. How you feel like you had a great time with your kids. How they feel. Like they had a great time. Everyone was laughing. Everyone was enjoying the moment. And then it's kind of remembering that reward that keeps the habit going that, that will help you, you know, keep repeating it because it is, it is hard to keep any habit going oh, yeah. in the busyness of life. Like even, you know, one five minute thing in a week is, is hard to keep going. But if you can remember, you know, kind of the science behind it and also how you feel in that moment. It can be motivating. Uh, again, we're speaking with Aaron Leba, who is a licensed social worker and uh, is the author of the new book, Joy Fixes for Weary Parents, 101 Ideas for Overcoming Fatigue, Stress, and Guilt, and Building a Life You Love. She also um, has a, a, a website you can you can get all of her information and, and her ideas um, from if you go to AaronLeba.com. Leba is L-E-Y-B-A.com, AaronLeba.com. But Aaron, um, one of the things, uh, just to be clear, that you're teaching us that is – with pretty much anything in life, we could create more of a routine, which would eliminate some of the fights with our kids. But then we can also, with special things in our lives, we could create rituals, right? So it's about routines and rituals, and this will bond us to our kids and create just a lot fewer arguments, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the neat pieces of research I, I noticed while writing this article was that... Um, routines can help family members stay close despite their conflicts, kind of like conflicts are going to come up among family members, but the routines kind of are this glue that keeps bonding them back together, even though, you know, they might be drifting apart in certain ways or 
you know, having conflicts or arguments, that routines really keep that closeness mm. among family members, too. And um, uh, you can almost see that. Like if you have a, if you have a, uh, you know, certain holidays you celebrate together, those routines or those patterns, I guess those could also be rituals, would be, um, they, they, they'd kind of force everybody to, to come back more regularly. Mm-hmm. And engage yeah, and re-engage. And yeah, having to make up with each other. No, I've seen that too. Just couples that I work with that they have a routine or a ritual actually of maybe uh, going to bed together, you know, talking or having a prayer or whatever they yeah. do. They that would actually take any fight that you had at eight p.m. If you still do your ritual at ten p.m. of going to bed together, um, you have to almost deal with the inevitable issue of the fight. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it brings you back together to, to work on it. What uh, – any other advice you give us when it comes to making a ritual that uh, that would – you know, might be essential or, or kind of a good clue for all of us as we're trying to get more rituals into our lives? I think it's um, – you know, it's just that rituals are about presence too, that – when you add that, you know, that fun and that warmth to routines, it's about being fully present and also kind of enjoying your life. And I think, you know, a lot of parents can get so serious about parenting or, you know, they're just so busy focused on the next thing, the next weekend, all they have to do, that it can be hard to kind of stop and reflect and then notice the moments that you're, you love, you know, with your kids. Notice the times when you're feeling really joyful with them. And I think, you know, rituals when you look at it as that's a time when you're really present and really loving life with your kids, that, that is, you know, that that's, that's when the real ritual is happening. Yeah. That's when the real power takes place. Well, Aaron, we appreciate it. Keep up your great writing. Again, Aaron Leba is her name. You can find out more on her website, AaronLeba.com, where you can also find out information about her new book, Joy Fixes for Weary Parents. 101 Ideas for Overcoming Fatigue, Stress, and Guilt, and Building a Life You Love, Uh, which, again, is the goal of this program, is to help you be the kind of parent you want to be, remove some of the guilt, some of the exhaustion, and actually increase the connection and the real love between you and your kids. We will continue the journey up next, doing a little Coach's Corner. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. I'm ready to go in, Coach. Just give me a chance. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Play ball! When it comes right down to it with your kids and your family, um, if you want bonding, don't you have to be present? I mean, do you actually think you're going to mail in a bonding moment? I mean, you might be able to maybe do that once. But bonding takes time. It takes presence. It takes insight. It takes energy. And I think a lot of us are just trying to survive nowadays where we're not even in a state of of really fixing or improving our situation. A lot of us are just trying to stay above water. So when I think of rituals, one of the reasons I um, am really loving and and big and a big proponent of rituals is simply the idea that if I could get people to more consistently try to connect, then we might actually 
make something happen in, in, a, in a magical way. We, if we have the time together, the right talk, the right touch, the right tone, maybe the right topic, um, and we can hold that space for a, an amount of time, I think I've, I've actually seen many miracles take place. And it's not enough, I teach, to, to just stop the bleeding of your relationship so we're no longer hurting each other. We have to ensure that we are constantly feeding the relationship, which is uh, an easy way to think about that is a ritual. And I talked about last week that one of the best times or places to do a ritual is in these moments of transition where um, there's just a lot of added value in the moment of transition, which is a transition would be any time in your day when you kind of are transitioning from one thing to another thing. It's just a perfect time to have a ritual. Like when you come home and you see each other for the first time, it's the perfect time to have a, a kind of a hello greeting or a hello ritual. And I would formalize how you say hello to each other after you haven't seen each other all day. Do you hug? Do you kiss? And I'd formalize it. Everyone's like, oh, that's so formal. Well, the reason I would like you to formalize it is because then we all know how it's going to go. We all know that we're going to hug each other and um, kiss, you know, and we know what we're going to say. So it's not one of us is always wanting a five-minute hug and one's wanting a one-second hug. Let's formalize it. So it's just like, hey— I'm going to come home. And by the way, you already do it naturally, but you might notice when you're angry with each other, you don't do it, right? You just don't do it. Rituals have so much power because they show to each other that you're in no matter what. We have rituals all throughout our culture, all throughout society. When you go to a baseball game, we stand up and we uh, put our hand over our heart when they walk in with the flag and we sing the national anthem. You know the ritual. And you don't do it because it's fun and it's easy. You do it because you believe in the institution of our country. You believe in a bigger thing that's, that's bigger than you. Now, how powerful is that when you may not love the president, you may not love what's going on in certain places, but we still stand for the ritual. And what it says is you are more committed to this country than anything else. Well, the same is true in our marriage. If we have a ritual of, of hugging and kissing each other every time we see each other or every time we say goodbye, then what we're saying to each other is even if I just got in an argument with you five minutes ago, I'm still no matter what gonna, going to come hug you before I leave. That, and that, what that tells you is I'm into us. I may not like you right now. You make me mad right in this moment, but I'm in. I believe in this institution. So think about your rituals in your marriage um, and those transition points. When you arrive with each other, when you say goodbye to each other, how about when you go to bed as a transition point? How about in between dinner and when you go, you know, either watch TV or do what you do at night? Those are all moments of transition. Um, It could just be how uh, just other activities – How you hold hands could be a quirky little ritual. You might only hold three fingers or you might, you know, whatever you do with your your ritual. But what's really cool about it is um, it's yours. The neat thing about a ritual, too, is they can be so customized to you, too, that they become very personal. They become very real. So don't overlook these little simple joys of a relationship 
because they they really can make a difference. I know people that um, that they just it's little phrases they say. In fact, all of my kids do it now, um, where we just if somebody mumbles or groans or or says something and they don't understand what someone said, we everyone in my family is like, "What'd you say?" and we always just as a joke say you heard me and if even if they didn't hear we always say that and so i have kids that are away on when they were away on their mission um they were doing that with their friends with their acquaintances that they were meeting and it just it just reminds you of home so don't give up and don't don't think you have to like be overly stressed about your rituals just know they're going to happen. They're already existing in your marriage. They already are there. And one of the rules might be let's try to create more of those rituals so that we can more habitually just learn to connect and be present with each other. Also, just another essential point that I think we learned um, is the power of routine. Our kids need more routine and they need us as parents to put our phones down. Some of the research about the disappointment, the sadness, the loneliness that our kids feel when mom and dad are so overly focused on their phones, it's sad. So let's let's make it a routine of, of leading our families a little bit more, being more present, learning to turn off our devices and uh, learning to actually dial in to our children. And one way to do that is just simple routines. Go help put put your kids to bed and get become a part of their bedtime routine become a part of their um the rituals of around dinner where we turn all the technology off and we actually ask our kids tell me what you learned today what's your number one learning stephen covey used to always ask his kids tell me what you learned today and what that forced his kids to do was know that every day they weren't just supposed to go to school they were supposed to learn something and their dad was going to be asking them about it. That changes the entire game when you know you're going to be asked by your parents to teach you what you learned. And when they say, I don't know, don't take that for an answer. <laughs> just say, of course you do. We'll just wait. Just think of something. Everyone's going to get a chance. Oh, come on, mom. You almost have to fight through that first moment or two and just let's start doing this habitually giving them the opportunity to have a voice, to share, to teach, and that you're going to always be there to listen. What could go wrong with that, right? Get the, get in that habit with our kids. There's power, folks, and there's great joy in being a family and having a family. And uh, there's even more power and joy when we have rituals and we have focused time to be together. That is the true joy. We will continue the journey more straight ahead. This is The Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer, love stronger, and lead healthier lives. Welcome back, friends. Yes, it is time to go now to the empty news headlines with Jeff Simpson. What else you got for us, Jeffrey? You know, it's always a good idea to pay contractors, especially if these people are being paid to remove trash for you. Yeah. Yeah, you got to pay them. Yeah. So um, Eddie Barbie and Dan Harrison were tasked with picking up uh, 
<laughs> a huge pile of garbage in East Yorkshire, England. Uh, uh, let's see. When when the pair arrived, they claimed the dumpster was filled too high. So they offered their services to this home. To they dropped off the dumpster when they came back to get it. The dumpster was piled way too high. So uh, they tipped the entire load into the customer's front garden. Really? Does that seem fair to you? Uh, no. Okay, well, listen to this. Eddie said, We gave the customer three weeks to pay for overloading the skip. Fifteen tons was in the skip and would have been too heavy for me to carry on the road. It's my license at the end of the day. They pulled the we don't understand card. Uh. So I said, Understand this and tipped the bin, <gasps> causing no damage. Uh. So when you don't pay your bills, you gotta you you're gonna pay the price in some way yeah. or another. In this case, it's you're gonna have to pick up the garbage. You're going yeah. You pay your bill. Oh yeah, that's what Ma, I think. Mama used to say that. Pay your bill. Yeah, Mama also said there would there were days like this. Yeah, Mama said there would be days like this. Always, yeah, Mama always said that. Hey, uh, I guess that's the key to all of this. Is and 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 by the way, you don't have to be a Jerk, either. Just but when you don't get paid, you know. you're gonna do something. And small claims court is is it's timely. I mean, it takes a lot of time, and it doesn't. It's always, an inconvenience, yeah, and, it, and does, it doesn't always go your way, as yeah. some of us have learned the hard way. Yeah. Yes, you did. Well, anyway, we will continue doing what we can to ease your burden, and we won't we won't just leave a big load of useless stuff for you. It's always going to be good, valuable information. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you be the good in the world. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the program. Dr. Matt here along with Jeff and Terry. The gang is gathered doing what we can to help you and yours uh, make it through this crazy thing called life. You're sounding a lot better, by the way, I should, I know. I should I, add. I think it's because I'm I'm moisturizing my throat. Really? Yeah. What, Diet Coke doesn't count, though. No. I'm using magical elixirs. Really? <clears throat> it still hurts. And I appreciate you giving me that sickness because a lot of... A lot of uh, coworkers wouldn't try to infect uh, their fellow coworker, but you lovingly did. Thank you. I live to give. <laughs> that kind of sounds weird. Hmm. I mean, in a good way. But how did you get your hands on magical elixir? Don't ask. Do you have any magic beans for sale? No, it's a friend of mine has a company that's called Magic Elixirs Are Us. And if sounds uh, like he needs if, to rename that. If you can get three people under you who can get three people under oh, them, boy. then all of a sudden magic elixirs flow through the streets of Rome. Anyway, uh, lots to cover today. That's almost the acronym for MLM, by the way. Yeah. Shad. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, today we're going to be talking about peanut butter. Is it as healthy? As the claims are, the claims make it be like it's like the supposedly if you go to every fitness uh, or like a triathlon site, 
long distance running, marathoning. They're always like best breakfast ever is just a piece of toast with some peanut butter on it. Right. Healthiest it, breakfast ever. It's a good fat. It's a peanut good butter fat. is a good fat. Yeah. You're like what? Yeah. It's the poison that we administer to ourselves so that we are not uh, poisoned by it. You oh, got to take. Like you've got to start yeah. early, yeah. so that you can develop an immunity to it. I love peanut butter. I think it is manna from heaven. Peanut butter is one of the main ingredients in my favorite treat ever. Licorice, muddy. Hmm? I don't. I know you're going to go to muddy, muddy buddies. buddies. I know you always bring up muddy buddies every chance you can. Of course. Um, one of the things, though, we're going to be talking about is, is it as healthy as they say? Because it's it's got fat. It's got a lot of oil in it. And apparently, from Dr. Ron Hager, um, yeah, it's a pretty healthy little thing. I knew it. It Maybe. does a body good. It might be the type of peanut butter. Chunky? No, that's what your wife's chunky? trying to tell you. My wife bought the natural no-stir peanut butter. Yeah. Hmm. And it's sitting in the in the cupboard next to the general, I guess, Jif or whatever we have. It's just now, peanut butter. And it's like, so what's the difference? Why, you know? Hold it. Natural – wouldn't natural imply that it just uh, – it appears in nature? Sure. It's just like organic. And so then, somebody picked up some peanuts off the ground and when, threw them in a the jar. When is there ever peanut butter in nature? Right. right. It's, mean, just, it's just marketing. It's like you go to the store and it says artisan, which implies limited amounts because, you know, they're crafting it by hand, but they yeah. make it mass produced in the back room and there's 500 <laughs> loaves of bread. So there have yeah. to be preservatives then. No, it's natural. Really? No hmm. stir. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm All not right. sure. That's kind of what brought this on. I was like, wait a second. It's crazy. But um, one of the things uh, since I was out yesterday fighting a flu that was infected in me. Mm. A.K.A. playing hooky. The flu was infected or he, you had the flu that infected you? I was you? taking a nap. Because if you had mm-hmm. infected flu, yeah. what is that? So it was injected. You have, okay, go ahead. He injected the flu into my throat. Mm. I don't know. I, I, but I'm pretty sure I got it from Jeff. Yeah, pretty much. From sitting in this room. Yeah. And um, so – but what I missed is there's a lot of weird uh, stuff going on where now everybody's mad at the NRA. But now – and then everyone's boycotting the NRA. Not everyone, but there's several. But there's a lot of big names are big pulling name away. Yeah. And now people are threatening to boycott those people. Yes. It's like a boycott fest. A boycott aroma, <laughs> Yes. And this is all coming from the shootings in Florida, and um, everyone's there's there's cries saying, "Hey, somebody needs to that sheriff needs to step down right. because his men didn't walk in." And I mean, in a way, shouldn't we just keep learning? Let's keep learning all of this. No, we and, must lash out on social media. Yeah. That's how we respond. Is there anything different from people calling this guy a coward versus President Trump saying, "Well, I would have gone in. I would have gone into the school." Is there is there any difference in that? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're judging the video of the guy that didn't go into the school during the shooting, but he had other reasons. He's saying that'll all come out in court. I mean, in his hearings. Yeah, he said. Oh, he 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 thought he heard fireworks. He heard reports of fireworks. Yeah. He heard that actually the shooter was wasn't near, in the building near anymore. The football field. So he was so taking he made, a defensive position. He made a decision. That's what he's saying. Yeah. But now, we, you know, he didn't go in the building. So last week we talked to uh, the BYU football player who ended up on Family Feud. 
And one of the things we talked about with him was it's so easy when you're at home to just sit and criticize people that, oh, you're so stupid. You I would have, have answered this. And it's this, kind of the same with this. Right. You know, it's so easy for us to call this guy a coward yeah. to say, oh, if I were in that situation, I would have done this. You don't know. No, right. You don't know unless you're in that situation. No, you don't know. And and even then you don't. You don't. Yeah. Well, anyway. very few people would naturally run into an area where people are shooting. But that is the job of a police officer. Well, we've been talking about natural, natural peanut butter. Our natural instincts Would are be, to save self. Yeah, to right? sit in the car and eat peanut butter. <laughs> Unless you take that job. That's, yeah. then that's your job another, is to enter the building. That's another part of it. And yeah. they have him on video not entering the building. Oh. So regardless of what he thought was going on, he didn't enter the building. He, so does yeah. that – what do you do with that? Right. And th- there's a great quote that says, you can't talk your way out of something – you behaved your way into, hmm. right? So there's video of him I don't behaving. Know. As a kid, I would just keep talking, and my mom would just give up. Yeah, but and that, then I'd be able to go talk run away way without out of it. Your mom just gave up on you <laughs> at that point. So hmm. interesting. It's hard, but and then again, I don't know that it helps with President Trump saying, "I would have gone in." The guy's a wuss. The guy, whatever he said, he was. I mean, he, he goes these. His quote, I was just reading it here. It says. Uh, Let's see. He goes, they weren't exactly Medal of Honor winners, he said of the deputies before declaring, I really believe I'd run in there if I didn't have a weapon. Really? In front I mean, of hold on. 39 governors. But many hmm. people would say, well, yeah, if you be- if you felt that way, you would have enlisted and gone to war. You would have. Yeah, all those stories come back. You yeah. all of this stuff. And we've seen him in action. We've seen him when a guy rushed the stand. In one of his uh, you speeches, know, speeches. Yeah. I mean, we, we saw how he responded. He, well, didn't, he didn't just start throwing dukes. No, he, he backed up and let the <laughs> yeah. security guards take care of it like anybody else would have. Right. Yeah, that's of course just, what's smart, right? He'd run in there without a gun because he'd have his Secret Service that, has, that exactly. is heavily armed. That's, what, that's why you need Secret Service. All right, let's get to the rest of the headlines, Terry. What else should we be focused on? Forecasters expecting uh, flooding to persist through this week in the Cincinnati region, and authorities said Monday that it will hinder efforts to assess damage. The National Weather Service said the Ohio River crested Sunday was still well above flood stage Monday. Sunday's peak was more than eight feet above flood stage. The highest the crest has been since 1997. Rivers swollen by heavy rains and melting snow have been a nagging problem for days. In the central part of the U.S., the governors of Missouri, Indiana, and Illinois have declared disaster emergencies. This follows weekend storms that included deadly tornadoes that ripped through the south where at least five people were killed. Oh, wow. So, you know, weather. Some of the biggest stories we've got are weather stories. And now we're talking about flooding. People are still excited. I mean, people are dying, but mm. they're excited because they're they're able to fish in their front yard. In their front we had yard. A story about we had that. a story about that. Fifty pound catfish. People are dying with this thing. Ugh. In, a, in a meeting with governors on Monday, President Trump noted that he'd launch a uh, on Sunday with two. Excuse me. He had lunch on Sunday with two top officials from the National Rifle Association, mm. Wayne LaPierre and Chris Cox. He insisted they they want to do something quickly about school shootings. Half of you are afraid of the NRA talking to the governors. There's nothing to be afraid of, Trump told the governors. And you know what? If they're not with you, we have to fight them every once in a while. That's okay. <laughs> On Monday, he reiterated his support for the bump stock ban and very strong background checks. But it appears Trump is changing his position on raising the age limit, CNN reports. He obviously is moving back from that, a congressional source tells the CNN. Okay. So they're like, eh, no, yeah. they're thinking about it. 
Okay. Yeah. He's 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 been all over the place. Is one way to describe since the uh, the shooting as to what he wants to do. Right. Right. He just starts talking, and the next day he has different thoughts, and then it just keeps evolving. So we'll see where he ends up. <laughs> White House Chief of Staff John Kelly is reportedly growing increasingly frustrated with Ivanka Trump's role in the White House, complaining privately that she's just quote playing government. Oh, wow! This is according to a source and CNN, several White House. Officials have said the lines are beginning to blur between Ivanka Trump's role as senior advisor and first daughter, and Kelly has expressed irritation with that, and he sees her jumping between those two roles when it's convenient to her, according to the report. Trump was lauded his daughter's skills in the White House, but Kelly has been more dismissive, once referring to her proposal for a child tax credit as a pet project. Uh, her tip to the uh, Her trip to South Korea last week Uh, to serve as the head of the U.S. delegation at the Winter Olympics closing ceremony, reportedly rankled several senior officials. Rankled. Yeah, rankled. They were rankled, including Kelly. Mm. Many question whether the president's daughter, who has little diplomatic experience, was the appropriate messenger to be passing on information on U.S. sanctions to South Korean leaders amid high tensions with North Korea. You know, good point. Is she the one to do that? Like you'd think you'd want a senior, you know... Secretary of or a junior secretary of state. There right? you go. Maybe an ambassador to North yeah. Korea, or to South Korea, which yeah. we currently don't have. Right. You'd think someone like that. I mean, or or Ivanka. I guess. I mean, she is the daughter of the president. Right. And she has a line of clothing, I believe. Several. Wasn't it jewelry? High yeah. heels, clothing, general. I mean, she wears them all the time. She's a smart, astute business person. Right. And uh, she almost – she has clearance. Mm. So, yeah, that's interesting. But she's playing – apparently playing government. That's what John Kelly is – It's like when said. Jeff plays um, – when he plays board operator. Yeah. Hmm? He's just sort of there. Yeah. He's pl- – yeah, so uh, you can But he's see- really just doing his show for Friday. So – What? Uh, I don't know. Maybe at some point because there's her situation and Jared Kushner still doesn't have – Security clearance may never have full security clearance. Boy, it's got to be frustrating in because, the White House right now because who do you who do you trust? You know who do you send where? Jared doesn't have the right credentials, mm. but and Ivanka goes, but she doesn't have the right experience, right? To be stepping into the this North Korea discussion, except they love her there. Oh yeah, she's known as Ivanka. Yeah, like like Oprah. Yeah, right. It's cool. Okay, so uh, coming up next, we have our health evangelist, Ron Hager. That's so good. I have found some uh, non-healthy Why do you uh, always options. find these non-healthy options whenever it's, Ron's It here? just happens. I think I save him is really the It seems like plot point you're here. teasing him. It is true, though, that uh, I think these foods are a better option than, say, vegetables. Okay. Not necessarily for your health, but for, like, momentary enjoyment. Yeah. I mean, there's like the stomach ache from all the sugar and stuff that there's comes all later. That stuff, but yeah. at the moment, this might be better, enjoyment wise. Then the thing, the very thing God gave us, a vegetable. Well, true. Right. Okay. So, Easter's coming up. Yeah. Peeps, big part of Easter for people. Wow. People okay. love the the sugar covered sugar of Peeps, right? Yeah. So they're they've launched eight new flavors of Peeps. Apparently, how many? Eight. Wow. Did you know there were eight flavors? I thought the flavor was marshmallow. 
thought it was sugar. Well, they're sugar marshmallow, but they're flavoring them now. Okay. Mm. So they have a consist, kind of oh, like Oh, yeah, like red. Well, yeah, but there's... Purple. There's flavors. Purple's a great flavor. Okay. So they, they're launching a contest like Oreo did. They have mm-hmm. mystery peeps. Oh, neat. Right? So you get a package. It's a white package. and You don't the, know what the, peeps the, the, the are going to pop. Because it's all artificially flavored. When you bite into it, the flavor's different. Yeah, totally. So mm. which flavor do you want? No, I'm with you on so that. So they got mystery one, two, and three. Apparently, people are guessing that mystery peep flavor one is either root beer or bubble gum. Ooh. Do those taste similar? No, which no. I find very interesting. Some people think it's root beer. Some people think it's bubble gum. This, huh. this gum tastes like root beer. The third one, they don't give you a, the, what number two is, but number three people are guessing sour watermelon, sour green apple, or Tide Pod. Oh, it's Tide sad pod. that people know what that tastes like. <laughs> this tastes like a Tide Pod. <laughs> don't eat Tide Pod. That's what they're trying to say there. Other flavors they're launching, sour cherry. Wow. It's available in 10-count count packs at most grocery stores. It says it promises to make you pucker up. See, how do you yeah. know you're tasting sour cherry or just an expired box of Peeps? There's the box. Well, the expired box of Peeps, they're stale. Yeah. But they, oh, if you microwave they be... them, they're fresh, which is why you shouldn't eat them. Hmm. It's a great – it's really a good point. Another flavor they have, more of a, a breakfast flavor. Hold on. A breakfast Peep? Yeah, pancakes and syrup Peeps. Oh, yuck. So there's that box right there. So pancake uh, and syrup peeps. Just be aware they're out there. Um, and another – there's three other flavors available at Target. So you know yeah. you can find those. Peeps, they're called filled delights. So they have this whole different type of peeps. These include Neapolitan chick with chocolate and strawberry filling. Uh, Neapolitan chick? Yeah. Wow. Then there's uh, lemon sherbet or sorbet, if you will. Yeah. I say sherbet. Sherbet. Sherbert. They also have an orange sherbet, but both of those are dipped in fudge. Yuck. Orange and so, fudge would be like a little creamsicle. So it's a march, marshmallow peep. It would be a peep. peepsicle. Marshmallow peep, either lemon or orange sherbet dipped in fudge. Healthy. Maybe we shouldn't be eating these. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love eating stuff that's not healthy for you. Right. But I don't like anything that is a peep or makes a peep. Well, they don't make a peep. They just, they're marshmallows. You eat it. They eat them. They're just fine. Also, more food. Olive Garden. Oh, yeah. They, they have like their never-ending pasta pass. Yes. I remember people gorging yeah. out on that. They yeah. have cookie butter cake. Okay. Which people are really into. Uh, they have a new one called the Meatball Pizza Bowl. Yeah. I would check that out. So it's named, uh, literally, it's a bowl made of pizza crust. So they take a, a, like a personal pan pizza crust. Right. Mush it down into the bowl. Sure. And then you put in your Italian cheeses and meatballs, and you finish it off with meat sauce. So well, you get a big... That sounds amazing. See? That sounds Italian. That sounds... Ooh. It looks even better. Wow. Guaranteed to clog three of four arteries. But it sounds so good. Even if you only have two. It looks good, I don't. They, they don't give you like a... Oh, actually, they no, they don't. I was going to say they, they don't give you the uh, caloric... Total mm. on that one, but they give you it for some other. They stuff can't on count the menu. that high. Well, they don't want you to <laughs> know the details. And I found this one out yesterday. I didn't even know this existed. It came out last summer. What is it? My wife came home and she goes, "I have some spicy starbursts for you." Hmm? What? Like spicy starbursts? What? What, what are they, they what doing? Are they? And, and, and it, it was starbursts, and so I, I I ate them, and they're just they're spicy. Were they sweet and spicy? No, it's just the starburst flavor. Okay, yeah. but it's hot. Hmm. Hot. 
And they made the debut last summer. Um, so they're called Sweet Heat. So you got Starburst and Skittles. Oh boy! And they're they say there's a trend in confectionaries to do, make them hot. Do we have to ruin everything? So yes. in the Skittles packs, you'll get fiery watermelon, yeah. bla- blazing mango, flaming Ugh. orange, or sizzling strawberry and lemon spark. They ran out of names for lemon, so they just kind of. Hmm. Okay. So um, it's like a red hot with kind of a tangy. <laughs> it's the same flavor, it's just hot. And it's not like hot like a red hot, it's like hot like 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 a hot sauce. Yeah. Sounds so it's, really it's, it's different. Yeah, sounds really good. For the Starburst, <laughs> they copied a lot of the names, but it's fiery watermelon, strawberry mango, flame and orange, and pipe and pineapple. Because it's piping hot. Yeah. No? Hmm. No. This is – don't ruin a good thing. I had fiery watermelon and flaming orange. I would try pineapple. You tasted them. I had two of the Starburst last night. Not I bad. tried the pineapple one, pipe and pineapple. I also tasted the new Blaze Doritos. How'd that they, go? They advertised during the Super Bowl. I can only eat like four or five of those chips and you have to stop. Whoa. Wow. It gets a little out a of control. It starts building. So it sounds like a good health choice. It's like a, if you want yeah. to eat it, that's a good it way to do it. It actually deters you from eating yeah. the yeah. whole bag. Which is my problem. Huh. You could also just pour gasoline on them. Well, they're not hot in gasoline. The gasoline's not hot. It's just no, not it, edible. Not right, exactly. Light a no. match and say it's not hot. It's no. kind of a smoky heat, if that makes any sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> okay. Well, that's ruined. We'll have to bring that up with our good brethren from BYU Sports Nation. I want to find out what they think about piping hot pineapple. Yuck. Hey, up next, we're going to be talking about is peanut butter healthy with the health evangelist, Dr. Ron Hager, is on the scene. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer. Are you ready for a miracle? I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, yeah. I am so ready. Who better to help us uh, perform that miracle than our own health evangelist, Dr. Ron Hager? Man, every time I do that, I think we're just destroying your career. No, I don't think that's – I don't think you can. Okay, good. Actually, it's, okay. it's, it's pretty much where it's, it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, these these professors here on campus do everything they can to keep their credibility up, and then they come on the show and – we play some miracle uh, evangelist song, and um, the next thing you know, I keep wondering if I should. Unemployed. If I need to use my hands or something more, I... yeah. But I like the robe; it's a nice effect. <laughs> it's a really nice effect. <laughs> Doctor Ron is an associate professor of exercise sciences in the College of Life Sciences, right here at Brigham Young University. His expertise is chronic disease prevention, and uh, we always have him on the show. Right after Terry talks about peeps or Skittles, fiery hot Skittles. Meatball pizza yeah. bowls. Yeah, what's that all about? And uh, today we were asking Ron the question, is peanut butter really healthy? Because we hear peanuts and peanut butter, it's like it's like this perfect, it's the perfect food. Yeah, well, you know, there, there may be a little bit of truth to that. Um, somebody asked me yesterday, they said, what are you going to talk about on the radio show tomorrow? I said, different kinds of peanut butter. And and they said, is is peanut butter different? And I said, no. I said, all peanut butter is the same, just like all radio talk show hosts. That's they're, exa- they're all exactly the same. They're all just the same. It's so true. No, no difference. No, they're all the same. <laughs> well, Does, but, so, but talk about it because people are like, peanut butter is filled with oil. Sure. Saturated fats. 
Yeah, well, not, not a not a ton of saturated fat, but there is some. And so you'd think not always as healthy as we think it is, but yeah. So, so when when this question was posed, I guess you know is all peanut butter the same? It kind of reminds me of the phrase I hear frequently: "Is a calorie a calorie?" Right? And, yeah. And you know, it kind of depends on on who you ask and how you define what a calorie is. If you ask a scientist, then yes. All calories are the same. A calorie, uh, you know, by by definition, by thermodynamics, is a calorie. Is it's just a unit of energy, right? And so, a a calorie is a calorie. Uh, but but of course, how certain types of calories, I guess, uh, you know, what, whatever the macronutrient is, whether it's carbohydrate or the quality of the protein or whatever, however you want to consider it, you know, maybe maybe not all calories are the same. As a unit of energy, yes, they're the same, but you know, is a hundred is is one hundred calories of candy the same as one hundred calories of broccoli? Hmm. And and by by unit of energy, yes, right. By how they affect your body, no, probably not, right? Yeah, so you know, you can you can consider just about anything you want to stick in your mouth by those by those standards. How is this going to affect me? You know, is it just you know, now if you're in a starvation uh, deprived, you know, situation, mm-hmm. you know, maybe any calorie is just fine. Right. You know, I've often thought some of the the best meals I've ever eaten, uh, you know, were were because of the circumstances. Right. It wasn't really yeah. about the food; it was about how hungry I was. You were in that space <laughs> yeah. where it didn't matter. Yeah. So, so you know, there, there. If, if you're starvation threatened, there may be. Conditions where you know, hey, a calorie is a calorie. Just let me have it. All right. But when it comes to our health, not necessarily. So, you know, when it, when we when we talk about how things affect us, then I'd say no, not all peanut butter is the same. So what I did is just a little search online. I found a a, a list of ingredients for probably. I, I mean, I don't know if it is the most popular peanut butter brand on the market, but it's one of the more common, uh, commercially available. You know, in the supermarket. Uh, Jars of peanut butter, and the ingredients are roasted peanuts, mm. sugar, yeah, hydrogenated vegetable oils, which can be cottonseed, soybean, and rapeseed. Rapeseed is just canola oil, by the way. Okay, and that's to prevent separation, they say, and then salt. Okay, so that's a pretty basic list. Now, hydrogenated vegetable oils uh, typically can be considered a, a a variation of a kind of fat called trans fat, which probably isn't. You know, we've talked about that before, and that that's not optimal for for your health. But but think about this though: the the very next one that I came across was the exact same brand, but it's the twenty five percent less fat version. Okay. Oh boy. Yeah, and, and and now this one's got roasted peanuts, corn syrup, solids, mm. sugar, soy protein, salt, the same hydrogenated vegetable oils, cottonseed, soybean, and rapeseed. To prevent separation, mono and diglycerides, minerals including magnesium oxide, zinc oxide, <laughs> ferric orthophosphate, copper sulfate, vitamins, niacinamide, uh, uh, pyridoxide, hydrochloride, and folic acid. Oh yeah, that one's obviously much healthier. <laughs> yeah. It like has ten more chemicals in it, but it's twenty five percent less in fat. Right, and then I came across what's considered an all natural peanut butter, and it's it's it's. It, it is one that's, you know, uh, made under, you know, a major label or brand. Yeah. And the ingredients was peanuts. Oh, wow. That's it. Yeah. 
No one wants that one. No. So it's <laughs> so, amazing. So obviously, you know, if you if people will take the time to read ingredient labels, it's a great lesson. You can kind of get an idea of not only what you're sticking in your mouth, but I guess whether you really want to. Isn't it funny? But we instead not. go by these other titles like or themes like nat- all natural <laughs> yeah. or uh, 25% less fat. But the 25% less fat has, you know, 50% more, 100% more chemicals. So it, part of this is just beware. Open sure. your head up and start listening. Sure. And then there's also the convenience factor. So as I dug into this a little more, you noticed in the first two I read – these um, hydrogenated vegetable oils are added to prevent separation. Right. Right. So then I got thinking about it, Matt. I mean, are we really, are we really at that point where, you know, it's like, you know, there's no way I'm stirring peanut butter. Do not make me stir this peanut butter. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? It's so, but it's there's almost something about it because you could almost see everyone would just pour out those fats. Well, yeah, pour out the, the oil. oil, but. Um, yeah. What's wrong with us? I mean, it, I remember growing up, it was very, very common to have to stir the peanut butter and at least right. where we were. Right. Before the big technology came along and, and oh all these my, other chemicals. Look at this. Now we don't have to stir peanut butter. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, welcome to the, the, you know, the 20th century or something. I, it's just like I, I just I just have to question sometimes how I guess low we're willing to go, Yeah, how much we're willing to sell out so that we don't have to stir peanut butter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's, I mean, it's a big enough battle to get your kids to eat something, then to get them to, whether it's chunky or creamy, if all of a sudden my kids opened up a can of peanut butter and saw the oil separated from the peanut butter, the boy... There'd be a lot of splaining to do. Yeah. Now, now, generally speaking, peanut butter uh, is is a healthy food. Yeah. You know, it's very calorically dense. You know, about two hundred calories in, say, your average serving, maybe two tablespoons. So you don't need a lot of it. Well, you don't necessarily need a lot of it, but it is packed full of. Uh, it, it is nutrient dense too, so it, it does have a lot of calories because of the oil mm-hmm. uh, or the fat. Uh, but you mentioned that it does have some saturated fat, which it does. But it's a it's a tip, it's a plant based saturated fat, which tends to be better for you than animal based saturated fats. And uh, it's also got a lot of uh, of other healthy oils, polyunsaturated oils, and even some mono saturated oils. They compared it to um, I I don't know uh, fat wise like deli meat almost because it also mm. has a lot of salt in it, right? It can. Yeah, I guess but you it, can. Have you to. can you can choose not to, huh? Sure. Yeah, and you know there are some people who you know they they're the kind of the health food store kind of person. You go and you just buy the bulk nuts. Yeah, and you can buy other se- other seeds or nuts too, like almonds or whatever. And you can they've got a machine there and you just load it in and hold the cup underneath and it you know it grinds. Your your peanuts into peanut butter for you and oh, you know, and, and that's considered I guess kind of the you know the the ultra you know healthy version of peanut butter. I did want to mention uh, something though when it comes to peanuts. Uh, it, it was probably some years ago when this was more of an issue. Uh, there was a, there was a time when you know when uh, you know nutritionists and humanitarians and uh, uh, people were trying to you know, solve world hunger problems. And, of course, a lot of that still goes on. Uh, one, of the, one of the the issues was trying to find a healthy protein source for uh, people in 
countries uh, where starvation is an issue. Yeah. And so they turn to peanuts. Uh, so peanuts are a great protein source uh, and, and, and can be grown in a lot of, you know, arid environments and things like this. Uh, so but, but what, what can happen with certain kinds of grains and nut, nuts and seeds and, uh, and even some, uh, you know, like spices – uh, if, if it's not stored properly, it can develop a, a kind of mold hmm. that can produce a, a, a compound called aflatoxin. And aflatoxin is highly carcinogenic. It's, uh, it uh, creates a liver toxicity oh, and, wow. and liver cancer. And so in some of these developing nations, uh, you know, when they were moving in these protein sources like peanuts, they also noticed a rise in uh, children dying from oh, li- no liver way. cancer. Uh, so there was an aflatoxin scare uh, some years ago. Now, there's never been a case of of this, uh, of any serious nature in the United States. You know, the food industry is fairly well-regulated and monitored uh, very closely. Um, so even though it is a potent carcinogen, uh, you know, it has to have more than 20 parts per billion aflatoxin in order, you know, to be considered problematic. And I'm not aware of any long-term studies that show you know, anything associated with risk of, you know, low, uh, low exposures over long periods of time. Uh, you know, so I don't know if anything will come out in the future, uh, regarding that, but, but in the United States, uh, you know, the, the common supermarket brands of peanut butter actually have been shown in research to have the lowest concentrations of this aflatoxin. And it's the, the ones, the bulk peanuts and things in the health food stores yeah. that tend to have the highest. Oh, really? You know, because the machine kind of sits there, uh, uh, you know, day in and day out. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's it, it's just not as – so in, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, in some respects, uh, you know, a regulation of processing foods, you know, can be a good thing. Right. You know, obviously too much of that can be a problem as well. Huh. Um, so – so, you know, there's never been any, any issues in the United States with this. Uh, and then salmonella is another one. There have mm. been cases of uh, salmonella uh, poisoning being traced back, you know, say to a local peanut butter manufacturing plant, and then all of that has to be recalled. But again, those, those cases are rare. And so peanut butter is pretty safe, and it's pretty healthy. Uh, so You always talk about on the show, um, you know, eat the whole fruit. It's, it's if you're going to get if you're going to take in the calories, you may as well eat an orange is more valuable than eating than just drinking the juice. Sure. So um, is there enough fiber in peanut butter, for example, or, or is it, does it really matter what you eat it with? Like to me, the ultimate meal is an apple with peanut butter. Yeah, and that's a great way to have a little peanut butter. It really is. And, but really the, the, <laughs> the highest value is probably in the apple maybe. Well, it, perhaps, yeah. But, you know, both both have, you know, things to offer. And if, if putting a little peanut butter on an apple helps you eat an apple. Let's get it going. Let's, then let's get it going. Yeah. I mean, that's a great way to get kids to eat, yeah. you know, certain kinds of fruits or, uh, you know, or, or celery. There you, you know, go. Oh, yeah. That's, celery. So good. that's actually pretty good. Hey, and then raisins on it. Sure. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's there how grandma go. used to do it. Yeah. So I, I'm not, you know, anti-peanut butter or even anti-fat. Or you know because like I said it, right. is, it is calorically dense and it's a it's a fairly high fat food, uh, but it also has some other uh, antioxidants in it. Mm. It's uh, you know it's got some vitamin E, 
uh, in it, some magnesium, vitamin B6. Uh, you know, peanuts are a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, there's even been some research on, on longevity. And in one study um, that I read not too long ago, I think it was done in uh, uh, Seventh-day Adventists, actually, who have kind of a code of health, you know, from a religious perspective. Uh, but they found that uh, people who ate about uh, five servings of nuts a week, yeah. and peanuts technically are a legume, but they taste like a nut, so they're called peanuts, um, uh, lived an average of two and a half years longer. Really? Yeah, so five five servings of nuts, including peanuts, a week. I did not. Uh, that's cool. That That's great. I two, mean, that, two, two, two and a half years longer. Now, if you're not a big fan of peanut butter, then you might say, yeah, well, that's that's exactly why I don't eat peanut butter because <laughs> you only get two and a half years out of it. That's right, you yeah. Know, maybe, I mean, if maybe, it were 10, I'd do it. Yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah, so, so, so there's a lot of good things. And you're right about, you know, these um, – you know, eating things in their natural state. But but I, I would say taking peanuts to peanut butter, at least, you know, the natural kinds natural. of peanut butter. Sure. It's maybe, you know, uh, one level of processing. Right. But check the labels you also said. And because you did find a peanut butter that actually had no peanuts in it. Yeah. So I did. I, I actually found another kind of peanut butter. Well, it, it, it had peanuts, but it was not the first ingredient. That's scary. And I'm like, okay, now you better be careful if you're what else are you, flour, you're eating sawdust? Peanut, peanut butter is not the first ingredient. You know, maybe, maybe stay away from that. So I guess the message today is whether, whether you're talking about peanut butter or any other kind of food you're eating, uh, ultimately you're the one that's responsible, right? So uh, rather than spend all your time trying to decide you know, which version of the next phone you want and spending yeah. inordinate amount of time studying all the pros and cons, maybe take a little bit of time when you eat something, study some of the pros and cons of that. Right. Especially you know? something you eat in your diet every day. Sure. Like study it. Just at least a little bit of time. <laughs> you know, look, look, at, look at the ingredients yeah. and then say, you know, do I, you know, do I really need uh, ferric orthophosphate, you know, in my diet? Uh, yeah. Well. Uh, <laughs> if you can't pronounce it, you might not need it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's uh, – it, uh, th- there's a lot of advantages to, to peanut butter. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm not. No, you're. You're. I mean, it's healthy. It's. It's really fairly natural. And it's. If if you if you look at the label and understand what's in it, just beware. It's a you great, don't need as many things in the peanut butter as they may be putting. Perhaps. And and it's a great flavoring too. Mm. You know, I think a lot of people overlook it as a way to flavor their foods. Yeah. Uh, like we were just looking. You'll kill us. We were just looking at peanut butter hamburgers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, it, I mean, I'm, the whole time I'm thinking, man, that might be pretty good. Well, we've talked about putting it on apples. We've talked about putting it on celery. But you can also add it to stir-fry sauces. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Then all of a sudden you have a peanut sauce. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of a peanut sauce. and, and, and or, or, or pizza. <laughs> That's not good. That's Terry. Yeah, Don't it, listen to Terry. Yeah, or or smoothies. You know, it, it goes Ooh, great. smoothies. It, now, it it goes great with chocolate. Oh yeah, peanut butter and chocolate, but also bananas. Oh yeah, you know, and uh, just put it on a cracker, or just put it on a cracker, put it on a bagel instead of the, you know maybe the cream cheese. And when you're making it for the kids, you also don't have to sugar it up with every other topping. Sure, I mean you can be careful. Yeah, yeah, it's great on pancakes. Yeah. Oh you know? yeah. Yeah. Or See, waffles. Now you've, now you've made me hungry. Yeah. So 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 a little peanut butter in in in, in moderation. I wouldn't say that the peanut butter diet, you know, is probably optimal, 
but a little peanut butter in your diet, probably just fine. Not so bad. Dr. Ron Hager, thank you so much. Again, Ron is an associate professor of exercise sciences in the College of Life Sciences right here at Brigham Young University. He is the health evangelist. And uh, he will, he'll not only help you live longer, but he'll help you, uh, you know, do it with peanut butter. That's what we learned this week. We'll continue the journey, folks. Our good friends from BYU Sports Nation will be up next. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. It's time now to go down to our good brethren from BYU Sports Nation and find out what's coming up on their show at the top of the hour. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Matt. Welcome back. Thank you. So good to be with you. Hey. You two full days off? Did you do the first two hours Friday? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Good for yeah. you. Yeah, and then uh, Jeff, but Jeff gave me a sore throat. Um, he, and he, How did you do that? Don't ask. Don't ask. Okay. Uh, but it was he. We just sit in a tiny little room, and he's constantly coughing and snortling and chortling, and you know, anyway. that's a lot. His snortling and chortling. That's yeah. a lot of ling. It's a lot of ling ling. Hey, uh, I don't know where to begin because I've got so many things I could bring up, but I think we ought to start with food. Okay. Um, let me ask you this. Are, are you guys, do you like Starburst and Skittles? Yes, sir. I like Star Skittles. Ooh, I love Skittles. Skittleburst. Um, do, uh, would you guys be interested in Skittles that include some heat to them? No. Yeah, good point. Lightly warmed? Yes. No. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> as in like cinnamon Skittles? Kind of. Like listen to these. Cinna Skittles. Listen to these, uh, these, these new packs they're putting out. Fiery watermelon, blazing mango, flaming flaming orange, nope, sizzling strawberry, and lemon spark. Lemon all spark? Yeah. Optimus Prime? Ooh, that's a different thing. Sam, yeah, See, the lemon. The lemon. <laughs> all spark. <laughs> so that's, that's, those are just the Skittles. The Starburst flavors are coming out in fiery watermelon, strawberry mango, flaming orange, and pipe and pineapple. Do you guys want heat with your Starburst? No. Not typically. I mean, I, I could go for, like, cinnamon Skittles because Ooh, I yeah. like Red Hots. Yeah, me too. And I like hot tamales mm-hmm. and chocolate-covered you, cinnamon bears and oh, all that. Oh, yes. But I just the, fr- had those. the fruit mixed in with the spice is kind of a weird dynamic. No, I agree. I totally agree. Okay. That, see, so you guys pass. Innovation. They're trying, right? They're, they're doing what they can. Uh, by the way, out of these uh, innovations, eventually there will be a cure for cancer. Now, if those led to a cure for cancer, then 100% I would be you'd, on board. You'd be totally on board. Okay, what about this? Are you guys into peeps? The not really, no. The little Easter marshmallow spectacular Easter. spectacular candy? Mm-hmm. My, not the friends, but the candy, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. Not love your peeps. peeps. I love, yeah, I love my peeps. So they're trying now to add mystery flavors, and apparently available only at Walmart. They will have uh, plain white peeps wrapped in colorful question uh, Mark stamped packages that'll have surprising new tastes in them, and some people are they can't like discern. So when they open them up, you can't you don't know what the flavor is going to be. But um, like some thought it was root beer, but others thought it was bubble gum. So mm-hmm. it's like something's not right, right? Um, but one of the things that uh, they have sour cherry now available, sour watermelon. Anyway. Okay. Um, okay. They have this one. Would you guys ever want Peeps pancakes and syrup? No. 
I mean, does that could anything be worse? <laughs> Probably not. Peeps. Yeah. Something's something is not right there. And uh, last but not least, uh, the Olive Garden now takes pizza to a new depth. Oh, this actually sounds really, really good. They have a um, – the, di- the dish is called the Meatball Pizza Bowl. And it is really – it's just a bowl made of pizza crust filled with melted Italian cheeses, then topped with meatballs mm-hmm. and finished off with a hearty helping of meat sauce. Are you in or are you out? Out. What? Are you being all healthy on us? No, I'm actually in. Okay. Because I was going to take you guys to lunch, but if you're out, whatever. Now I'm really in. Now you're really yeah, in. Yeah, now we can party with Dr. Matt. Yeah, that'll be fun. And then uh, – yeah. Because I, we, we, I, I was going to do it because your wife's called and they, you know. Well, we're about to leave our wives for a while. <gasps> we're going to Vegas. Oh, okay, good. That sounded weird. That Glad sounds you so bad. Well, we're going to leave our wives for a little while. We're going to Vegas. We're going to Vegas, we're baby. We're going to Vegas. <laughs> so what's on, on company dime. <laughs> what's on your show today? Our annual West Coast Conference Awards. Oh, wow. Brought to you by BYU Sports Nation in partnership with Gorilla Glue. <laughs> That's great. What a great sponsorship Gorilla Glue is. For we you all guys. know who the best player in the West Coast Conference on the men's side is. Jock Landale, St. Mary's. Yeah, Jock Landale. So the real question is who's the second best player of the year? Oh, we wow. will debate hotly this topic plus other discussions like who's the coach of the year, the overachiever of the year, best dressed. Yeah, important things. Yep. Wow. Um, you're going to actually get into their attire now. You're going to mm-hmm. critique their yeah. attire. Okay, mm-hmm. that's good. Yeah. Hygiene. Uh, and we have some news about why BYU's opponent, things have uh, gotten extra weird for the Toreros of San Diego. Wow. And how that's an advantage to the BYU Cougars. This is a good discussion today, okay. boys. One yeah. of our guests is waking up at 4.30 in the morning to join us. Okay, so from Hawaii? Close, Australia. Oh, wow. Uh, Danny Jones, he's the new punter on the football team. Oh, you're making him get up that early. Well, he we, wants. No, he chose to do this. He wants to get up we that can't early. Can't make anyone do anything. I don't know. To join our peeps of BYU wanna, Sports Nation, we want him to be a peep. <laughs> that's nice of him to do that. Thank right? him. Make sure you thank him. Okay. Yeah. Because that's early. It is oily. Oily. It's way oily. So that's that's the show. That's the show, and then uh, we're gonna be off tomorrow. We're, and then we'll see you Thursday in Vegas. The show will still be on. You you will be off because you'll be traveling. Yeah, the two of us. You'll be on your road show. Yeah. yeah. Tomorrow you will be discussing fantastic subjects like we have discussed today with Jason Shepard and Brian Logan. Oh, that Brian is. Brian Logan, his triumphant return to the show. That is so exciting because this wait. is going to get crazy. I can mm-hmm. already tell. Oh, Brian. Well, boys, we'll miss you. We will uh, we'll watch over your your neck of the woods. We'll make sure that you know the guys don't break your show. While you're gone, and have a good, safe road trip, boy. That'll be fun. Again, uh, not to complain, but the guys from BYU Sports Nation get to hit the road, and here I just sit, and Jeff and I just keep infecting each other with diseases by sitting in a room all day and looking over computer screens. <sighs> not to be negative. Hey. Our hero of the day is a police officer who dived in a river to save a man that can't swim. Uh, a police officer dived into an eight, 
uh, dived eight feet into a freezing river to save the man who was drowning because he couldn't swim. Student police constable Mohammed Nadim leapt into the river Irwell in Bury, Great Manchester in England, a few weeks ago after a man fell into the river. He said he just had uh, he just had to go in after seeing the man drowning, and he spent about 25 minutes in the water after he dove in. The student's officers uh, student officers' actions were commended by Great Manchester police. The young officer said he did not think about how cold or deep the water was or about uh, taking his heavy body armor off when he saw the man in distress. I can't swim. I'm not a good swimmer at all. And having all the extra body gear was very hard, but somehow I got him. And we got him to the side and waited for help. It was a very dangerous thing. I just had to go in. I didn't really have any other choice. So uh, they anyway, anyway, they got the guy taken to the hospital uh, and uh, the police officer as well to the hospital. They were both really cold, but uh, he's still the hero of the day. Student Police Constable Mohammed Nadim is the hero of the day on the Matt Townsend Show. And thank heavens for people that are willing to just look out for one another and dive in for one another. Every you know, Everyone in our life at some point is going to need some help like that. So thank you for uh, being willing to do that. That is the show, my friends. And we will be back again tomorrow. More ideas, more information to help you live longer, love stronger, and lead a healthier life. BYU Sports Nation is up next.